the Ohio Hockey Digest, the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I am back, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. Today's episode is brought to you by Warrior Hockey. For all your hockey needs, from sticks and helmets to everything protective, Warrior Hockey. Find more at warrior.com. Well, last week, the boys had the opportunity to sit down with four different guests representing different facets of the game. From Gilmore Academy, the boys had the opportunity to talk with Director of Hockey Operations and Head Coach of Gilmore Prep, Mike Cellino. Coach Cellino talked about his coming up in hockey and how the Lancers are structured from their youth programs and learning to skate to the different levels of play through the school, including the, the prestigious Midwest Prep League. Well, guys, you guys had a great interview with them. Again, sorry I had to miss that, but uh, it was a nice listen. Uh, Mike's a great guy. He's got an awesome uh, work ethic towards building a program like Gilmore. Well, you definitely hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, his his attitude toward what he's doing and, and everything that goes into his day-to-day, is it's a dream. It's a dream job. I mean, he, he has all of his degrees – and he's using them through the medium of hockey, which is absolutely fantastic. What they have going on at Gilmore is, I don't know, I don't want to overemphasize it or say it too strong, but it's treasured, man. I mean, you have everything from learn to hockey to prep. You got people that, that are CEOs and, and garbage men to NHL professionals. I mean, the whole facet, the whole gamut is run over at Gilmore. Coach Chilino was an awesome time. It was an awesome time talking to him. I know Danny and I enjoyed it. Um, just a cool, just a cool guy. It was, um, and I mentioned it, you know, at the end of the interview, it, for me, it was just nice to learn more about the prep program. Um, you know, we, we know enough about high school hockey in the area and everything, but to just pick his brain between the difference in, you know, player on a prep level versus typical high school level, um, what they look for. And then just, you know, learn about stuff they have coming up in the future. Their U16 team hoping to kind of, you know, groom some more young players to reach that prep level. Um, again, it was just great conversation. You, you know what You know what I found interesting and when I was listening to it, um, and I just thinking about, and those of the listeners that know about Gilmore and, and their structuring their structure seems to be a lot more concrete and solid the past couple years than it has been in the past, right? Like that prep team has always just been like its own entity, right? Now that they have, they have meshed everything together over there at that school, not only with the guy side, but the lady side as well. Well, one thing that coach made mention to was how the structure for hockey is new to them, but it's not new. And he named the schools that have been doing this, for some time. And I just think that maybe this was the missing piece that, like you said, could tie the youth to the high school, to the prep, tie it all together and just make one growing avenue for a young hockey player. Right. Yeah, it was good. It, it, and I have to say you guys did a nice job with the, with coach Chilino and, and uh, the Liberty guys who we're going to be talking about next, you know, with last or last you guys, last week you guys had head coach, Kevin Alexander, senior goaltender, Andy, 
Keeler and graduate in Colonel Ohio University Bobcat Sam Turner joined you guys from the Liberty uh, Patriots hockey team. Uh, Coach, the players talked to you guys uh, about the rising talent in the Columbus hockey scene through all the resources available, as well as what's, as what's new and happening with the Patriots as they embark on what will hopefully be another successful run for them. Again, for me, a great listen. Um, you know, we've had the opportunity to uh, compete against Coach Alexander and a couple of his uh, players that you you guys spoke to last week. So I found that to be just an interesting listen. I think that one of the things that that I mean, I know Danny and I talked about this at the end of last week, but they're just having a good time. I mean, coach was very, and obviously we're not in the middle of a season. I, I know personalities and that, but coach was very laid back and it seems to trickle down that the guys are having fun. Coach is having fun. But when push came to shove, when it was time to work, they're working. And what's he's, what he is instilling in his leadership groups year after year is, is working its way down. So the captains take the helm or take the reins rather. And, and they basically, they run it, you know, it's their team. They run it. And, and, and that work ethic trickles down to the young guys coming in. I mean, the fact that Sam comes back and works with the guys in the summer, one, he gets the ice time to help him at OU and two, they get to learn from somebody who's been through it. So it was, it was a really cool, interesting listen last week. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, you could totally tell that coach, um, they've installed a culture within that locker room, within that program to where, like Love made mention, you know, they rely heavily on their seniors for that leadership, but it's not, now it's just, that's what's expected. So you come into that program, you know, by the time you roll around, you're a senior, you're going to have that leadership role because that's just the culture that's been instilled in that room. You know, the right. one thing that, that, that we were talking about was how, or we, we made mention before Columbus hockey's on the rise. Uh, it's that no, they're not on the rise. They're there. Columbus hockey arrived. They're not up and coming. They're not in the future. It's going to be crazy. No, they're there. You know, they got guys like the, 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 the Liberty guys made mention of coach Caruso and some others that, former Blue Jackets, former Buckeyes, stayed in the area. R.J. Umberger, we spoke with before. Um, they're, they're, they're helping to grow the game. And the thing that was interesting was they're trying to grow the game on all levels. So from youth and the high school and helping them promote to junior or co- and or college. So it's not where... Yeah, they're not, they're not skipping a step like, like some areas do. No, 100%. 100%. They're not sitting there going, we're going to make high school better. Well, no, they're going grassroots. They're making youth better. And in turn, then helping high school, then in turn, how can we progress this whole system from start to finish? And that was really cool to listen to. I don't care how they try to downplay it that, oh, we're just seeing the beginning stages. They've arrived. They're there. There's quality, quality programs in Columbus that are giving everybody in the state run for their money. It's awesome. Absolutely. And speaking of that, this week is going to be an interesting week. We've got two very, very good guests. Um, and we do, uh, we're going to go back to Columbus. We're going to sit down with the executive vice president of the Ohio Blue Jackets AAA organization, Mr. Nick Petraglia. Nick will fill us in on his time at Miami University playing and coaching in one of the most storied programs in all of NCAA hockey. So now helping grow the Blue, Jack- Blue Jackets youth hockey into the future. Looking forward to having Nick on today. That's going to be a great conversation. Jay, we just had a little talk there about Columbus hockey and 
Uh, I look forward to talking to him about, uh, again, them not growing, uh, but them already arriving and, and what his thoughts on that. Well, then we're going to break bread with a longtime friend of the On Air podcast and a longtime friend of, of Love and Eyes. Uh, he is a head coach. He's a representative of Warrior Hockey, a Western Michigan University alumni. He's a father. He's a legend in many leagues in Europe. I can't wait to get into that. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Steve Rimshaw will join us to talk about the state of hockey in Michigan uh, and his coming up in the game from his time at St. Catharines, Ontario, to his days at Western and then playing, playing pro hockey globally. Two guests this week, two very fun personalities. Can't wait to uh, get at it. Uh, but before we get at it, I guess we just need to get the uh, elephant out of the room. Uh, we'll talk about last week's debacle. Uh, row, row, row your boat gently through your basement. What happened, dude? Yeah, what happened? Yeah, well, listen. So as I was listening to the podcast, uh, I and you, you guys were discussing how red my face was and, and all that. I, I felt it was necessary. I actually, Burgundy. I face, Burgundy. I think my face got redder I was, as I was listening than it was when the water was coming in. Um, <laughs> So here, your quick story. Uh, last Monday, is that that's when it was Monday? So it was Monday when we recorded, and, and uh, we were going to hop on uh, around five o'clock, I believe, is what time our interviews were. And around three thirty, uh, I was downstairs. I was watching some TV, and uh, storm rolls through. Well, you know, I, I have had water in the basement, like you did mention, Jay, but I have taken uh, control of that situation. And I have put in uh, sub pumps and battery backups that uh, I have two batteries that for the battery backup. So this thing, this thing isn't dying at, at all, right? It's not dying. This thing is juiced up. So if you got more batteries, you could probably get the spaceship home from the International Space Station on these two batteries. So uh, all of a sudden, uh, poof, all the electricity goes off, right? And it's like 340. And I don't, it doesn't bother me. Electricity's off. Rain's coming down. I got an hour and a half. Dude, I'm going to nap it down. So I take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, my battery backups, that thing's not going to fail. No way is that thing going to fail. So I get up for my half-hour siesta, and I walk into the kitchen. And at some point, I don't know what made me, oh, I heard a buzzing, like a beeping noise. And when you hear the beeping noise on the battery backup, the watchdog system, no free ads, um, then you know that something is not going well. So I heard the beeping, and I opened up the door, and there it was. Uh, the battery backup failed me. Um, so if you could have seen this act that was going on, my wife and my one daughter were down there with uh, brooms and towels trying to keep it contained in one area as it kept coming in my neighbor is oh, this is so stupid my neighbor and i well we we're trying to jump the battery right we're trying to jump the batteries so we i couldn't get i couldn't get uh jumper cables long enough to go from my my garage to my basement so we took a hundred foot extension cord and cut off each side of the knobs and split the wires and hooked the wires up to my car battery and hooked the other wires up to the watchdog battery to try to jump it that, that did not work <laughs> what in the gods hold on a minute what yeah all right so, so all right well yeah that, that 
But if you think about it, electric, electrical wise, it's going to make sense. There's going to be some electrician that's going to like listen to this. He's going to be like, dude, you're an idiot, which I get. But at that point, it's not, it was a good decision. So that didn't work. And it was about, it was about an hour into it. Then I got a, uh, a generator brought over to me and uh, got the pumps back working. And then uh, we got the water out, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was, you, you guys were right. There was a lot of, are you kidding me? There was a lot of um, words that probably don't belong in a, in a house that were being said, but whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good, good news is I had, I got more vegetables this week from that big rain than anything. So at least I was eating well. That's good news. That's good. <laughs> I'd pay to watch you jump in that battery from your car. With an, with an extension cord, with an extension cord. So yeah. picture you take the, the male and female side of an extension cord, just cut them off, split the wires, wrap the wires around the positive negative in your car, run down your basement, Take the two wires. Hope you got the right ones that you hooked up upstairs, right? Hook them to the positive negative, and then go turn the car on. And then as I go turn the car on, it's like, all right, my car starts, battery's going. I go downstairs, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Oh God! Oh, Dan, you're right, Burgundy, <laughs> Burgundy, hands down, Burgundy. And that's it. Knowing that information, guarantee Burgundy. Guarantee. So, so I'm sure you guys had better weeks than I did, but anyhow, uh, that was my week. And then, and then we actually had, uh, again, no free ads. We had our St. Edwards hockey, uh, youth camp, uh, which was unbelievable. Uh, it was so much fun to get out there with the kids. We did a nice job. Our, our players did a nice job of working with the young kids. I was really proud of, of the campers and them following the restrictions and the rules that were set forth, uh, due to, uh, uh the COVID-19 and, and social distancing and, um, so I was really, I was really, uh, happy. I was happy the week was over. Cause as you did, Jay, you and I both talked about our feet hurt us so bad. We tried to figure out ways after 12 hours on the ice in three days, how we tried to figure out ways to amputate our feet. But I don't think I've recovered. I think my knees are just now starting to unswell. Right. Um, but no, it was a great time. The, the, the campers <clears throat> seemed like they had a good time. And I mean, I hope they did. They were having fun. They were smiling. They were, energetic and that was a lot of fun it's, it's it's always fun to be around different levels than what you coach and and to be around those youth guys and, and try to help them grow is it's 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 special and this whole week was fantastic being around uh the counselors which were our players they had a lot of fun we had a lot of fun i don't know how guys like russ Sinkowitz do it on a, on a continual basis and spending x hour 10 plus hours on the ice a day God bless you, Rusty. But yeah. uh, no, it was, it was it was a lot of fun this week. It was it was fun to be in a, in a rink. It was fun to return to somewhat normal. It was it was, you know, yeah. We had masks on. We have to, got to play, got to play our part so we can have have a season. That's cool. But it was uh, it was definitely an experience. It was it was well worth it. Yep, Dan, uh, we're a week away, right? You're you're leaving this week. Um, we get the keys tomorrow for the house. Nice. So nice. Um, some some bad news, though, that I got to break to you guys is we were in there over the weekend to do our final walkthrough, and what was once communicated to us as they were leaving everything, they took everything. So there will be no uh, online, online auction, auction of, of goods. 
Did they take the walk behind mower? They took the push mower. They took the grill. They... Oh, I don't know what's worse news, that or my, my basement flooding. <laughs> well, all right. Well, now we got to come with another game. That was supposed to be a big fundraiser for us. What are we going to do now? Yeah, who knows? Auction, maybe just, you know? maybe, maybe, a, maybe a virtual wing night, Jay. <laughs> it's fine. I'm in. Yeah. Anyway, I'm in. So, well, hey, cooler summer temperatures and a slightly chance, slightly chance of rain. Well, it wasn't slight. It was, of course, heavy. Uh, practice of social distancing uh, over the week with our hockey camp. So let's ease into, the, ease into the digest and see what's making news in the world of hockey today. There is no better way to get your company's message across to the hockey fans in and around the state of Ohio than advertising Ohio Hockey Digest and the On Air Podcast. Contact Scott Harrington today at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com. The Columbus Mavericks of the United States Premier Hockey League are holding an open tryout August 14th through the 16th at Ohio Health Chiller Iceworks in Worthington, Ohio. Cost of the camp is $225 and includes a practice session, three scrimmages, and a Columbus Mavericks tryout jersey. Go to www.columbusmavericks.com forward slash future players to register or get more information. The Buffalo Sabres have signed former Youngstown Phantoms forward Brett Murray to a two-year entry-level contract. Murray, a 6'5", 235-pound winger, led the USHL with 41 goals and ranked second in the league with 76 points as a member of the Phantoms in 2018-2019, earning first-team All-Star team honors. The NHL returned to the ice over the weekend, dropping the puck of the best-of-five play-in rounds. Any, did you guys watch any of the games? Quite a few of them, yes. Yeah, yeah, so did I. I watched two. I have to say, I love watching the hockey. I love that it's back, and I know that they did an, they did an awesome job of getting the players safe, getting the arena set up. It does seem a little uh, like it's a video game-ish a little bit, right? Um, but it, 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 it's, it's still fun to watch. It's, you know, I had a chance to watch a couple games yesterday. Uh, I was watching the uh, uh, Penguins in overtime last night, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think they did the best that they could, which, you know, which is great. I mean, I, but it's a little bit, <laughs> I think, I think sometimes I'm watching a video game. I think it's interesting. The whole setup, you know, I watched a, a kind of a behind the scenes of how the whole hub works. And, and the, the, the announcer guy, I, I can't remember his name, I apologize, but he took you from the hotel, <clears throat> how the different avenues you can take to get into the arena, be it outside or inside, depending on weather, um, what the players have available to them. I find it interesting, and I'm curious to know if, uh, what is it, Carolina and who, who's Carolina playing? I don't know why my, my mind just went. The uh, Rangers. Okay. So, oh, that's right, because it was Justin Williams – <clears throat> excuse me, and the one Strom, one of the Strom brothers, decided to have a full-on tilt in the first period. Yeah, yeah. Now, <clears throat> they leave the rink, they leave the arena, and they're going to go eat outside at the venue there. You think they're going to sit down and have a bite to eat together? Because, I mean, there was that tilt. There was, I watched Winnipeg and Calgary last night, and Blake Wheeler got into it with one of the Kachucks. I think that's Brady that's in uh, Calgary. But they, they went, I mean, it's... Well, he, he, he went after him because of the hit. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, percent because yeah. of the hit. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it's it's playoff hockey, and the players are. I think it was Justin Williams who said in an interview after the game was that 
it's been pent up for how many months that these guys haven't had a chance to play. They did not have a Stanley Cup playoff. Here it is. It's time to go. Right. And I don't necessarily mean go and fighting, but it's time to play. And yeah, I agree with you. The NHL, the Players Association, they did a wonderful job with all of it. I'm I'm excited to watch the rest of it. You know, the the OT game last night, um, the Winnipeg Calgary game, the games that are going on today, everything has been absolutely fantastic. The NHL is determined to play an 82 game schedule in 2020, 2021, but minor leagues are already starting to come to grips with the realities facing them next season. Bus League Hockey reported that the Federal Prospects Hockey League, which includes the Menor Icebreakers, is working on a 2020-2021 regular season schedule that would begin in early December. The American Hockey League, meanwhile, announced it would push back the start of the 2020-2021 season to December 4th due to the ongoing COVID-19 public health crisis. The decision was made by the league's Board of Governors on the recommendation of the AHL's Return to Play Task Force. Former Columbus Blue Jackets GM Scott Hausen is now the president and CEO of the American Hockey League. Black Girl Hockey Club has established a scholarship program to subsidize the cost of playing hockey for black women ages 9 to 18 years old. Scholarships are offered annually for those who fulfill the scholarship criteria. These scholarships are designed to assist and encourage black women to pursue their interest in hockey, a sport where they are often underrepresented. If selected as a recipient, the student will receive an award ranging from $500 to $5,000. Go to blackgirlhockeyclub.org for more information and deadline. The Anthony Wayne Generals moved up to the Red Division of the Northwest Hockey Conference in 2019-2020, and the bump up in competition helped at least one of their players secure a college commitment. Recently graduated defenseman Zachary Knapp will be heading to Trine University to further his education and hockey career. Knapp is expected to skate for Trine's ACHA Division II team, but will also have an opportunity to try out for their NCAA Division III squad. You know, all those teams in the Red Division are are very good. They've got a lot of really talented players. They're well coached. Um, I've had the, I've been fortunate enough to to play with a lot of those guys growing up through youth. Um, so. So I kind of had a bit of an idea of what they were going to bring. But, yeah, like I said, I think it definitely helped with um, just my development because it was faster, more physical, uh, which is what the college game is like as well. Ohio Hockey Digest is looking for writers to help cover the great game of hockey in and around Ohio. Contact Scott Harrington at 216-548-2345 or at scott at ohiohockeydigest.com. To find more out about opportunities to, to contribute content to the website and the On Air podcast. It's time to get on air with our first guest from the Ohio Blue Jackets AAA organization, Mr. Nick Petraglia. For all your hockey needs, from sticks and helmets to everything protective, Warrior Hockey. Find more at warrior.com. Our first guest comes to us from Faribault, Minnesota, 2000 graduate of Shattuck St. Mary. School. He went on to play and graduate from Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. He liked it so much that he stayed and became an assistant coach and director of hockey operations. He's been a part of five conference championships, 10 NCAA tournaments, two Frozen Fours, a CCHA championship in 2001, a CCHA regular season championship in 2013, and an NCHC title in 2015. He's a 1999 USA Hockey National Champ with Shattuck St. Mary. And as of July 1st, 2020, he has been named the new executive vice president 
of the Ohio Blue Jackets AAA organization. Please welcome on air, Mr. Nick Petraglia. Welcome, Nick. Thanks, Tim. Jason, great to be here. I've uh, been following you guys for a few months now, and you guys do great work, and uh, it's an honor to be a part of it today. Well, again, we do appreciate the kind words, and uh, you know your resume is very detailed and very successful. So we look forward to diving into some of your successes, but also what you think uh, the successes of Hockey in Ohio are and can be moving forward. Uh, tell us a little bit about your growing up in hockey in Faribault. Yeah, well, actually, I'll start you before that. I actually grew up in Pittsburgh, um, so a little different uh, landscape than Ohio, um, but moved to Minnesota when I was uh, 13 years old to pursue the dream uh, and play at Shattuck, but I grew up playing Westmoreland Eagles uh, kind of house league hockey and then on to the Pittsburgh Hornets uh, and Pee Wees and Bantams and just a fun journey. Um, to me, it's always been about the people. And the greatest thing is just the, the lessons uh, that the game teaches you and all of the experiences you get. And you get to go through those with your teammates and, and other people. And it uh, brings me here to Columbus today. It's been a long road. Uh, 20 years in Oxford was really special and uh, thrilled to start things off here in Columbus. So what led you to Shattuck? Uh, that's a great question. I, I'm probably, uh, I wasn't the one that made the call, I don't think. My dad um had the wisdom and and kind of saw an opportunity there we were at a at a camp in the summer uh i must have been 12 or 13 years old and they were just building their program um where they used to have one or two teams and right around the mid 90s craig norwich and mike eves and jp parisi are some names that started to build that program and, and they tried to start it uh you know with bantams and, and adding some midget teams and and really built the you know, the structure that they have today, it started back then. And it started at a camp for me where I think my dad met Craig Norwich and they started talking and one thing led to another. And I was so young that I, I really didn't have a whole lot to do with it other than just, it seemed like a great opportunity. We visited the school. It felt right. And there were some really good people involved and, you know, hockey was a lot different back then. Um, you know, the, the game hadn't really grown in as many areas, I think there's opportunities. Kids are coming from all over the country now developing. It really doesn't matter where you're from. You can make it, whether you're in Arizona, Pittsburgh, California, Ohio. I mean, you name it. There's kids coming from everywhere. Um, and that hadn't quite started yet. So it just was a great opportunity, and it was a family decision. And it was so long ago, I don't even remember some of it. It just we <laughs> took a leap of faith, and, and it worked out. And, uh, man, I'm so glad that we did because it was, it was a great four years, and it, it taught me a lot for sure. What was one of your favorite memories that you can remember from Shattuck? It Well, for sure, the national championship. Um, I was part of a pretty special group, uh, very fortunate to have some great teammates. And as I mentioned, we were kind of that era that, started the program and I, and I don't want to say we're taking credit for it, but I was at the very beginning of, you know, part of the team that started at Bantams worked up to midgets and, and kind of went through the four year progression. So we were able to be the first team that, that actually won the national championship. And that, that's something that's pretty special to me uh, to have been part of that. Um, and you look at all of the success that has come since um, to be one of the the members of the team that did it first is something that I'll cherish forever. 
Um, and quite honestly, you know, a lot of my memories are even off the ice. You hear this all the time about, you know, what the game does for you and the people, but just moving away from home as a, as a young kid, it really helped me grow. It, it made me learn some things a little faster than I, I probably uh, would have otherwise. And just the people you stay in contact with, you know, your former teammates and they become part of your family. So the national championship would be the thing on the ice. Um, the relationships and the people would be the thing off the ice. So you leave Shattuck and you head to Miami. I'm sure there was other options out there for you as well, right? Um, could you walk us through how and why you chose Miami? Yeah. Um, for me, it just felt it felt like home. And that's, that's one of those things that everybody's different. Uh, when you're looking at a college and trying to find out what's best for you, you have to look at all aspects. And when I visited the campus, um, it's an incredible place. It wasn't just about hockey for me. It was a great education. It was a great community. Uh, it just felt right. And uh, I was lucky that the opportunity presented itself. I was actually at that time. So I was a true freshman. I went in as an 18 year old. I was actually planning on playing junior hockey. And at the end of the season, uh, I had some games at, at Culver. I was playing for Shattuck and we were playing Culver Military Academy and uh, Coach Blasey and Joe Bonnet. Uh, we're at our games and we had a good weekend and one thing led to another and took my official visit. And honestly, it was probably 10 minutes into the visit. Just the feeling I had inside that, Hey, this feels like home. Uh, these are great people and it's just a special place. So it was a no brainer for me at the time. And uh, little did I know it was going to turn into 20 years, but it was certainly probably the best decision. Right. I made in my well, life. That's, be that's because of what's that bagel bagel street. Bagel and Deli, yeah, it's, bagel it's gonna be, yeah, because <laughs> you got to write your, you got to write your name in chalk on on the wall. I know, yeah, or probably yeah. CJ. You probably went to CJ's and sat on the picnic tables and decided to go to Miami. Yeah, huh? well, there's some good spots. Um, <laughs> I was not at CJ's on my visit. Okay. Um, oh, first run, first <laughs> run. My bad. My bad. My bad. It's uh, it's a, and that's actually what makes it special. When you go to Miami, if, if you're going to choose that as your collegiate experience, you're you know exactly what you're signing up for. You're going to be part of a college town. Everybody stays there because there's nowhere else to go, and there's this buzz and this energy and just this life on campus that uh, you know it's hard to find that. Yeah. So when you're there, you have the chance to play and coach with both Enrico Blasi and Chris Bergeron. What did you learn? What did you learn from both those guys? Oh man, I learned everything from those guys and I was fortunate uh, to play for both of them. Uh, several other great coaches and mentors along the way. Jeff Blaschel was with us uh, and was my goalie coach for several years. And the three of those guys. Uh, so what did I learn from them? The game of hockey is what I learned from them um, and how it's an extension of life and how every single thing that you do matters. And, you know, I was there kind of similar to my, my time at Shattuck. I was there uh, at Miami at some critical times where the program was building and trying to take the next steps. And we ended up getting the new arena and kind of things took off once we had that. But the years before the new arena, when we were trying to go from, from okay to good, from good to great, um, just being part of that process and sitting in the room and just being a fly on the wall I learned so much and the greatest thing I can credit um, Rico and Burge and, and Blash for uh, Josh Fenton as well. He was our director of hockey ops uh, when I was transitioning from player to coach. 
is they gave me an opportunity um, to just gain experience. They treated me even though I was young and probably didn't deserve the respect. Um, they threw me right into the fire and allowed me to learn by doing. And I will forever be grateful to all of those guys for, for the opportunities they provided me, the things they taught. And, you know, it was like a two or three year internship. As I went through grad school, I was a volunteer assistant coach. I was chasing my master's degree and just an unbelievable experience, just learning every day. And, you know, there's no substitute for hard work. You got to grind and you got to punch the clock and, um, you know, those guys were incredible mentors and obviously very close friends and, and special people to me. You know, you, you, you think about, you know, what coach Bergeron did. He was at Miami left, went to BG and then came back to Miami. Correct. And right. you know, how, how happy the Miami people must've been. I, I don't want to say that, that, that Rico was gone, but how happy because Rico had to leave that, that Chris now came back. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, obviously went through some adversity and some change there. Um, and it, it was tough times for a couple of years, but to get Burge, uh, to come back and it's home for him too. Right. So yeah, right. you hear the term brotherhood, uh, and, and really what that is, it is a, it is a family. It is a tight community. There is a very high care level and passion, not just for the program, uh, but the entire university, uh, and to have one of our own sitting in that chair, I think, is is really important. The job that Coach Blasey did for, for 20 years. Tremendous. Uh, Tremendous. is truly remarkable. Um, Tremendous. And, you know, he deserves uh, credit forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it had to change, for it to change to, to a guy that is part of the family and was part of building it too, both, both as a player and as a coach and now as the head coach, um, we're very special. It's very special to have him back. Barry shooty, same thing. Eric Rude, those guys, um, are just tremendous leaders. high character people. They're doing things the right way. And, uh, there's no question. They'll get that thing turned around. In the so Nick, you have many, uh, great accomplishments and, and accolades as a player and, and as a, uh, a, a guy behind the bench coach. And, you know, it, and many of those happened, uh, as a, as a Red Hawk. Uh, what do you think is some of your, your greatest personal accomplishments, uh, as, as a Red Hawk? Uh, well, I'm not going to make it about me. That's for sure. It's just being part of something bigger than myself and being able to do it for so long, um, is what I cherish the most. We came a long way over those 20 years. Um, so to, to be part of that is really something that, you know, you learn every day and you look at the big picture and you, you sometimes shake your head at, uh, at all the things you were able to, to go through both good and bad. Um, I'll tell you one of the, the biggest learning experiences, um, you know, that we went through was the loss of the national championship game. Um, yeah. that was quite honestly, we had probably a 10 year run, um, where we were at near the top of college hockey for a good part of a decade. And of all of the teams that we had in those 10 years, that was probably the one that you would have least expected, uh, to make it that far. But they came together. Um, it was a magical journey. Um, the way we lost, and for those of you listening that don't know the story, we're up three to one with a minute to go in the national championship game. And, you know, that's what you play for. It, uh, it didn't end that way. We gave up a couple goals late and lost in overtime. Um, and what I learned through that was 
you go through things together, good or bad. Um, you're always trying to win championships, but at the end of the day, it's about being part of something bigger than yourself. It's about doing it together and it's about sticking, sticking as a group and adversity tells you a lot. And when you go through moments of adversity and people are still standing right there next to you and they're behind you to pick you up, um, when you fall down, it really means a lot when you look back. And, um, even though we lost, that is a, I still have emotions and chills when I, when I see it. it's one of those games that I think everybody watching remembers where they were. Um, and it was special to be part of that, even though we didn't win. And when you fail or when you don't win, sometimes that obviously pushes you to, to reach the next level. And I think that loss really helped catapult us to what was next. Cause we had a bunch of championships that came after that. Um, but what it did was really strengthen our, our bond as a program. And it, it certainly improved the perception of our program, but it made our guys really one part of it. And we had guys sticking around maybe a little longer after that than maybe they usually would have to, to try to add some hardware and, you know, finish their four years. And I just think that those moments really brought our program together and, and I'll never forget that. Yeah, you, you know, I just want to comment on that real quick, and I, and I appreciate you, you, you talking about that game. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are younger hockey players, like high school, junior, college players, whatever it may be. And a lot of them need – and what you just said there is, is it, it's a, it's, it, it sucks to fail. It sucks to lose. It does. We all, we all know that and agree with that. But we – in your point of saying that was a, a major part in – the actually building block of, of that organization, because we've heard it a hundred times, these successful business people or, 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 or athletes or whatever, you fail 300 times before you succeed once. Right. Yep. And, and to know that it's okay, Jay, you talked about it last week on the podcast about it's okay to get cut from a team because you just shouldn't probably be making that team. You need to work harder. Don't give up. You know what you just talked about there, Nick was amazing. And I think hopefully our, our listeners understand that, that, yeah, that would, that I couldn't imagine what that was like for you and the players. And I could not imagine. And I, you know, Jay and I coaching the high school ranks here in Ohio, and we've lost some really big games, not national championship games, but it, if, to come back as strong as you guys did and to have that, that will to succeed, that's, that's, that's good stuff. That's, that's a lesson right there. Yeah. And so you're bang on with that. And here's the thing, sports, the greatest thing about sports is it is the greatest platform and arena for life and the things that it teaches you. And for the young listeners, um, this is what it's all about. You have to be able to connect the dots to everything that you go through and, and what it teaches you to prepare you for actual life. That's what really matters. And sports teaches you how to be accountable, how to be coachable. Uh, I've mentioned how to be part of something bigger than yourself. It teaches you how to fail. You fail all of the time. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that those experiences are not normal is, it's invaluable. So when you go for a job interview or you're going through something in life, you need to be able to lean back on your experiences from sport and be able to tell yourself, you know what? I got this. I'm prepared for it because all of those lessons you learn on the ice, on the field, whatever sport you play, it matters. And it 100% translates. If I, I mean, no. if I, if go ahead, if I, if I could just say this, 
to, to that point, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times uh, from people like HR departments or, or whatever. They love hiring people who are part of a team. Yes. If you can work on a team and know what it's like to be a part of a team, then in life, in, in the real world, you're going to have that advantage on other, on other people. Yes. There's no doubt about it. And, um, all sports have their own special little things. The one thing about hockey that I think really stands out is, is I just feel like you sacrifice for other people a little bit more. Um, you really need your teammates in our game. You really do. And, um, (laughs) there's nothing more important than that. When you know you're accountable to somebody else and that they're there for you as well. That's where you get confidence and strength and yep. can really get through stuff. Yeah. You know, you, you, we had Dan Bowsman on a few weeks ago and we asked him what one of his favorite memories from playing in the NHL or being a part of the NHL was. And obviously, you know, the winning the Stanley cup, Jack Adams award. But the first thing he said was, he's like, it, it's, it's probably the most sour memory I have but it's the greatest was losing Stanley cup in a game seven against New Jersey. And so to hear you talk about losing the national championship and the bond that that grows, as you talk about, as you talked about and building, you know, I've watched many things. My my wife went to Miami. We've had friends that have played at Miami and watching the, the, all the different things you guys have put out about the brotherhood. You want to talk about strengthening a bond without struggle. There can be no progress. Well, hell you guys went through struggle and you've progressed absolutely tremendously. And I know you have since moved on from there, but you're still part of the brotherhood and that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, uh, you're exactly right. Um, you know, when you go through failure and losing makes winning that much sweeter, right? Hell yeah. It's exactly what you just said. <laughs> and you know, you need to taste that. It's, it's funny how often, um, you know, teams lose before they win. Everyone's talking about just the Stanley cup right now. And how great is it to see it on TV? I mean, it's all, we all deserve to be able to watch this. We've been through so much adversity as a a world in the last, I don't even know, four or five months now. And we're all in this together, but just to have hockey back on TV is just, it it gives me chills to see it. I feel normal Um, again. Nick, don't you feel normal? It's awesome. And I know there's no fans, but you know what? It looks, it looks really well on TV. They really pulled this off, but um, where I'm headed with this, you know, everyone's starting to have their brackets and their predictions and who's going to win. Who knows? Uh, I think the team that's going to win is the team that is the least distracted, you know, with you got to stay healthy and all that stuff, but there's just so many excuses out there right now because the time is so different. The team that can just put their, their head down, go to work and stick together and, you know, hopefully get a couple bounces is probably going to come out on top. But the ones that really stick out to me, um, the teams that have recently gone through the adversity and lost, whether it's Vegas, Tampa last year was, mm-hmm. you know, top of the world. And then the first round, they get swept by the blue jackets. No one saw that coming. Uh, and that hit them hard. And then Boston goes all the way to game seven and loses to St. Louis. Those teams all still taste that. And mm-hmm. they still feel that. And I think they probably have a little bit extra fuel that might give them a leg up. Um, not saying they're going to win, but I think they, they all have a slight edge because of their experience and, and probably because of the feeling they have inside, because it certainly builds, um, 
you know, builds the fire a little bit. It adds fuel to the fire when you've gone through some adversity and you've come so close, but weren't able to get it done. Right. So you, you have this long relationship with Miami University, 20 years, highs, lows, growths, accomplishments. Now you're not there. Does it feel odd to be off campus after being in Oxford for so long? Um, it doesn't. I actually just came back. Uh, so <laughs> just just rolled back into uh, to home here after a weekend in Oxford to go see some friends. Um, you know what? It doesn't for a number of reasons. First of all, um, we're still so close. We're only an hour and a half, two hours away. It's easy to get back. Um, we are for sure going to make the efforts to keep keep in touch with everybody close to us. Um, but the other thing is for 20 years, I, I feel like I gave everything that I had to Miami and I am so grateful for, for my experience and forever indebted to, to that place and those people. And I'm proud of the fact that I was able to be there for so long. And this new change for us, uh, Columbus is, is a great city. So my focus right now is so much on the excitement for what's next for, for us and to be part of this community here for our family. We have uh, an eight-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter, and this is just a really great place to raise a family. There's a lot of opportunity. I love Miami as much as anybody you will ever meet. Um, but after 20 years, uh, the opportunity to try something different and um, take another leap of faith uh, we're fired up about it. And my focus now is on just trying to, to learn and get better every day here and meet new people. And I know that I'll be going back to Oxford quite a bit and uh, keep in touch with everybody. So it does not feel weird. It's always going to be a part of my life. Um, I might not be there, but I'll never leave. They'll always have me. I'm always going to be a proud alum and, and be there for that program in that school. So. Right. Well, your, your time at Miami, you, you got to know uh, a lot of the, the, people in the organization, the AAA Blue Jackets. Um, and you, you recruited some of the guys out of that organization. You know, is there any, can you talk to us about the recruiting process for Miami through the organization you're now going to be running? Yeah, so, uh, and that's exactly how we ended up here is those relationships. So at Miami, we had started with Trent Volbehuber, um, was, was the first, I think, that came from Columbus and was part of our program at Miami. It was Columbus's first NHL draft pick and really started what became a pretty good pipeline. Uh, after that, it was Sean Corrali and Connor Murphy didn't end up coming, but the relationship is there. He was committed and even went through orientation. And then as a first round pick, um, he chose to go to the OHL and play in Sarnia. Um, and things obviously worked out for him, but the relationship was there with Connor and he was part of our family's brother came to Miami. Uh, Kiefer Sherwood, Jack Rosovic, Carson Meyer, um, you know, all of those guys were, were part of that. And it really starts with Trent. Um, and if you go back then, you, you know, you build relationships and, and Eddie Ginger was obviously our president here in, in uh, Columbus and was the person that, that hired me and brought me over. But we always knew that with the way this program focused on development, and built people to be something other than just good hockey players. It was about, you knew you were getting high character people that knew how to, to work and grind and compete. You're always going to find kids that have compete levels um, and, and give you everything they've got on the ice and they're good in the locker room. And we just found the right people that quite honestly, we started to build our program at Miami 
you know, a lot on Columbus kids. If there was a kid that um, was standing out in Columbus, we wanted him at Miami. So those relationships were in place and, and it was in our backyard and it's no different for Ohio state and Bowling Green. And now you see, you know, the game is growing here. So there's a lot more players and, and, you know, I think that's, that's the backyard for Columbus is those three Ohio schools. Um, so when the discussion started really about a year ago with Eddie, um, it, it just was sharing ideas, um, talking about a few different things. Cause I was now, uh, transitioning into an administrative role at Miami. So we were just talking and it, one thing led to another and it just kept snowballing. And I ended up coming out here in November, um, to sit down with a few people in the organization and just talk about opportunities. And, um, it led to this. So it was definitely about the people and the fact that Sean and Jack and Kiefer and, and Connor and, and Carson Meyer, all those guys that I've known, um, you know, if I can come help the next wave of kids, uh, in Columbus be like them, um, I'm all for it. Cause the, the best thing about those guys is those are rebel models, right? Yeah. Um, that's one thing that's really special about Columbus right now. You have the blue jackets, obviously you're always going to have the NHL guys to look up to, but now our kids can actually look up to players in the NHL that are tremendous human beings that wore the same Jersey that they did. And they came through this program. And this is really the first time that you can say that because we're still a young program. You know, the Blue Jackets have only been around for 20, 20 years, 21 years, whatever it is. Uh, we're now getting to that point where you have some homegrown talent that has made it all the way to the top. And those are, those are our role models. And the, the cool thing is this is still home for them. So they're back here in the summers. They're engaged. They're giving back. They're, they want to be on the ice with the kids. Um, we've had zooms with them where, you know, the kids can Q and a and talk to their heroes and it doesn't get any better than that. So that's part of every, all of our responsibility to give back to the game and, and help, uh, you know, those coming behind us. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So you're, you're charged with coordinating and implementing fundraising strategies in your new role with the, with the blue jackets and corporate sales initiatives. Uh, what are some of the revenue streams that you think you can create or strengthen for the organization? Yeah. So uh, I'm the new guy, right? So I have a lot to learn. Um, <laughs> so I've only been here uh, about a month now. And what we're starting with is just doing a deep dive of our organization and really assessing the way we do things, uh, making sure we're operating at a high level. Um, figuring out the areas that we can be better because because really we have the responsibility to develop these kids in all aspects of their lives. This is not just about hockey. We want to be an extension of their parents. It's about, you know, developing these guys to be great in life, uh, school, prepare them for jobs. Obviously, we want them to be the best hockey players they can be. Uh, but how we do that is really important. So we need to make sure that we're very efficient with the way we're doing things. We have to communicate at high levels. We need to educate parents how to navigate this crazy world of youth hockey, right? Because it is crazy. And especially you get to be 14, 15, 16. There's so many different avenues you can take and ways that you can get there. And it's our responsibility to help teach that. Um, so we are looking at the way we operate, getting feedback from parents, uh, past players. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me 
and I'll get to your fundraising and revenue stream question in a second, but you know, really, <laughs> that's, that's all right. That's all right. Hey, the management, ma- sometimes management sends me questions. I'm like, no, all right, no, it's all good. I'm, the reason I'm starting with this is because I'm new and I have to learn. I have to learn this organization. I have to see what we're all about. Uh, I have to meet the people and, and see where I can help. And one thing that was really beneficial for me is we were fortunate to have tryouts a few weeks ago and to have all of our teams go through that process together, meet all of the coaches, see our kids, and just see the way the machine runs was really special because we had coaches from all of the teams. And that's the one thing, uh, parents, it's hard to understand sometimes because you get so wrapped up and did I make the team? Did I not make the team? And it's, it's a, it's a really hard process but man, do the coaches put everything they have into working together to make the right decision. And it is not easy. There's some really, really hard decisions that have to be made. And the really cool thing is, you know, we're cutting kids that we want rather than taking kids that we don't. And when you can get to that point, you know, you have the opportunity to do something really special. Um, and it's on us to make sure we're communicating and, and helping the other areas in this community grow too. So the players that we're not taking, hopefully they're getting opportunities elsewhere and can come back a year from now and try out. And the way they handle that adversity is, is so key. So the people that we have and and watching our coaches go through that process together to make those decisions and how much they cared was really special. So I'm thrilled to be part of that. And, And once I, you know, get to know everybody a little bit better, uh, building relationships around town. We have support from a number of different areas. The Blue Jackets are obviously a huge part of what we do. Um, different sponsors that we have around town. Um, the first thing we're doing on September 22nd, uh, we're going to have a golf outing, which is a great opportunity to for me to meet people that support us. And one of the things about revenue streams, whether it be endowing scholarships or you know raising money to help bring costs down, um, cause it's such an expensive sport, right? Yeah. We don't want to, we don't want to lose kids in the game because they can't afford to play. That's something that we have to make sure we're all working together to, to be able to provide kids that love the game and want to play it, that they have the opportunity to do that. Um, so if it can be scholarships and, and endowments, if it's donations that come in to help, um, educate or provide nutrition, um, for our players to, to learn those things, um, or even just facility things and, and things, areas that we're trying to get better. Um, we're going to identify those as I get started here. Um, but it's all going to start on with relationships and and finding the people that want to be part of our organization. And, and really it's about giving it's for the kids, right? It's to give back and create the best experience and best development model possible for our kids to reach their potential. That's great. I think, I think what you said uh, earlier is that you're cutting kids that you want uh, and you're not keeping kids that you don't want. You know, I, th- I think there's, there is a, that's a huge statement there because Nick, we know too many organizations that keep kids that don't deserve, I don't want to say don't deserve to be there, but don't, they, they, they just keep them and they, because they have to, for whatever political reason, or for whatever reason. And then, there's kids that, that get cut for whatever reason that probably should be there. And the way that your model is and that you're taking the kids that, um, 
that are belong there, but also if a kid doesn't belong there because of skill level or whatever other reason, you're not taking them for, for any other reason. That's it. And, and I think some, I think some of our youth volleyball, youth basketball, hockey, it doesn't matter what sport it is. I think we get caught up in a lot of that. So for you to say that, I appreciate you saying that because that is a, is a very impactful statement that I want some of our listeners to really hear. And it is not easy. It was fascinating experience for me because it's the first time I've been part of that process, right? Coming from college, it's different. It's a different model. We recruit. So you go out and you hand select the players that you want from all different areas. Well, on a tryout process, everybody comes to you and you <laughs> have to pick the team based on who's on the ice. Um, yep. And it is so hard to make those last few decisions because, you know, in some cases, uh, you're only going off a couple days. If a kid shows up that you don't know and you got to make a decision on him or her based off just two days, well, how good of an evaluation is that? You, you don't always know. So it is a really tough process. And the most important thing in the message to kids out there that don't make teams, it's going to happen to everybody, absolutely everybody. And it is your responsibility uh, to get yourself through that, make yourself better, handle the adversity, and just go back to work with the right do, mindset. Do, do you, I don't mean to interrupt, but do you, do you think it would be – possible to have tryouts now normally the triple a program tryouts would be in like april correct yes okay i believe so yeah so so april-ish march april and then you let, let's say let's say you're, you're choosing a team of 18 right 18 players on a team that's that's what you want on your team but you have you have 15 players in camp in april that you know you want on that team that can play at that level. And there's maybe eight or nine kids that on a three-day tryout, you can't choose from, but maybe you bring them back in July or August and say, if they, they might, they might sign with a different team by then it is what it is, but you have a second, uh, like a, a secondary tryout to fill those remainder spots. Would that, would that be possible, feasible? I mean, how, if we, I know I'm going way off the script here, but I don't really care. No, that, that's good. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great question. Um, I think anything's possible. It just comes down to how you communicate it and being transparent, being honest. And the one element that you said that is a major factor in whether or not you could actually do that is kids have decisions too, right? Like, like mm -hmm. this, just because they're trying out for your team doesn't mean that they're going to say yes. If you make it, if they make it, um, they have other options as well. So that's part of the, you know, the process is making sure that it's the right fit for both sides, just not just the team, but the kid and the family. And um, I will say that if you're going to pick the team, you want as much information as you possibly can to, to make the right and good decision. So if you can't make the right decision and you have to get creative with finding another way, I think that's totally doable. It's fine but you better communicate it well. You better be transparent. You better be honest. You better be direct. Um, and that's why high level communication is, is so important. And the thing with amateur sports and youth hockey, we owe it to our parents to be really effective communicators. These are still kids and coaches and parents. We are in this together for the betterment of your child. <laughs> we, we owe it to each other to work together effectively to help your kid. And that's something that is going to be really important to me 
as I enter into this new world and this new level is, is I want that dynamic to be high level for us. And I know all of us do. Uh, I'm just speaking about it now because I'm new. I have to learn this. Right. Because uh, it's a very different process than college. You recruit in college these, these kids, but by the time you get them, they're young men. They're adults in college. That is, it's a different level of development. Well, here, you know, when it, if a kid's 10, 12, 14, they're a kid. So parents, coaches work together. You are on the same team and the team you're on is your kids team. Like <laughs> we have to develop these kids. So, um, you know, the, the car ride home after a practice or a game is so important because, you know, what a coach does in, in a locker room or on the ice teaching can be totally undone in a car ride with the opposite message because the kids are going to probably default to what mom and dad say um, because mm -hmm. it's mom and dad. And that's where we have to be on the same page. I believe the parents deserve to know how their kids are being coached. They shouldn't have the say in playing time, line combinations, all of that, right? That's the coach's job. But in terms of how we're teaching, how we're communicating, what is being said for the betterment of their child, we need to be on the same page so that the message can be the same and we can help these kids grow. Working against each other, we're going to go backwards. And I know that's a really, it's way easier said than done, but that is an important dynamic for sure. Right. So uh, you've been involved, and in, we, again, we've, we've talked a lot about choosing players, right? We, that's what we, we're on this choosing players. You know, you, you, you're part of the, you know, you've been involved in evaluation for the national teams, the national development program, mm -hmm. uh, five nations tournaments, a, a bunch of other ones as well. You know, such a huge pool of goaltenders to choose from. Yeah, it's got to be very difficult to choose two or three goalies that will make the team. You yes. know, um, can you just talk us through? I'm, I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of homework you guys do on these kids. I know it's not just go, well, we'll take this kid, this kid, this kid. But talk us through that process. Yeah, um, it's it's holistic for sure. <laughs> I would say that the easiest thing about an evaluation is the hockey piece. Yeah, right. um, it's easy to see how well a kid skates and how well they shoot a puck or how, you know, how they look in the net if they're a goalie and just, you know, their fundamentals, the hockey stuff, the physical stuff is easy. It's the intangibles, the character things, the family things. Those are all equations or parts of the equation that you have to figure out. Um, does a kid compete? How's the body language? Is he a good teammate? Um, the one thing that I think you spend the most time on is trying to figure out how well they think the game, uh -huh. because I, I don't think that there's anything that transfers better than hockey sense. If you can think the game and you compete hard, you're going to have a chance. Um, cause it is a thinking game. That's very dynamic. Um, so hockey sense is critical. So when you're looking in, in evaluations, you have to take all of those things into account. And the more information you can get, the better. Right. The, the people side of things, though, it's critical. You're going to do your homework when you're selecting kids all the time. The families matter. The character of the kids matters. How they treat their teammates, that matters. Uh, because it only takes one bad apple or one kid or parent that's not on the same page 
that changes everybody's experience, changes the entire dynamic of the team. So it's not just the best players, it's the right players. You've heard that a thousand times. Um, but all of those intangibles are a huge part of the evaluation process. So it's not going to a tryout and, you know, I scored five goals, so automatically I make the team. All of those other things factor right into it, right? Yep. Well, why did you score the five goals? You know, what other factors were part of it? Was it your line mates? Was it the way you were playing? It's not just the score sheet. Um, one of the things you get the the question when I was coaching college all the time, uh, and you do locker room talks, and everybody always wants to to ask about point streak and stats and national rankings. Well that doesn't matter at all. Like, first of all, they're not even accurate. Um, so that's not important. It's the way you play the game. It's, you know, the hockey stuff's easy, but it's the teammate part, the character part, the work ethic, the, the hockey sense. Like that's the stuff you're looking at. You're not just going a point streak and taking the top scorers because it said they had 45 points in 32 games. Oh, I'll take that guy. No, it doesn't work like that. Yep. Yep. So well, kids need to recognize uh, their value too. And, and what they bring to the table, you have to know who you are as a player. You're going to develop all aspects of your game, but you have to take pride in, in bringing different things to the table. Every team is going to need penalty killers and uh, physical players shut down defensemen. Like you need all of the different pieces to the puzzle and all of those things are skills too. Sean Corrales is one of my favorite examples because he has made it to the NHL, not because of his skill level. He has made it to the NHL because of his will and his passion. And he gives everything of himself on every single shift. And he has infectious, positive energy. He's still a good hockey player. He can skate. He gets up and down the ice. He's a physical presence. He's got pretty good tools, but his skills for the NHL, they're just fine but he's a good effective player on a great team. And he's a key piece to their puzzle because of what he brings to the table. And the one thing he's learned over time, we talk about it. His will is, is his skill. Like that is something that he brings to the table that like you can work on that stuff. How hard you try is a skill. It, it, and it's your responsibility to, to bring that and to work on it and get it better. It's not just toe drags and saucer passes. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's all of the other stuff too. Nick, I can't thank you enough for coming, coming on and, and talking. There's some great points you're talking and a, a lot that we talk about, like we hope that affects our, our, our young kids that listen to this. Um, and uh, the message that we give is, and, and again, I appreciate your message about uh, everything that you talked about today, about uh, the, the tryout process and, and the will to, to, and all that good stuff. Right. So um, that form is pretty much our, our big forum. And uh, again, I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and spending some time with us. Probably see you up here in Cleveland or when we're down there in Columbus. I know you'll be coming up probably with some of your teams, correct? Um, I hope so, man. Like, uh, yeah. We have a schedule. I just, I, I don't know what it's, what it's going to end up looking like. Um, obviously when that time comes, we'll for sure be up there. Um, we'll just follow the direction of our health officials and the state. And hopefully we can all get through this and, and get back to normal. So right. I can't wait till I come to Cleveland. To yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, again, we thank you for being on the show. Please come back and visit us. We'd love to have you back on. Uh, once we get going here, maybe sometime in November, December, as the season's rolling, hopefully uh, we'd love to have you come back on, Absolutely. talk about the, talk about the progress of the blue jackets organization and, and your new role as well. 
I would love that. Thanks for having me, guys, and uh, would love to continue to do this. And uh, hopefully, I'll have learned a few things by next time too. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the. I'm sure the organization will learn a lot from you for sure. So, yes. so well. Thanks again. Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy right. the games tonight. All right. You too. The tour bus is loaded, and we are heading up I-75 into the D, into Detroit. Time to get on air from Warrior Hockey, Steve Rimshaw. Our next guest really needs no introduction. After all, he is already a legend in most small European towns. However, we told him we would make him famous, so here we go. He got his start in St. Catharines, Ontario, playing for both the St. Michael's Buzzards and the St. Catharines Falcons before heading to Western Michigan University. After four years of NCAA hockey, he embarked on an eight-year pro career that took him from North America all around the globe. He made stops in the East Coast Hockey League, the International Hockey League, and the American League. His overseas exploits found him playing in Denmark, Germany, and Italy. He's a 2002 ECHL Kelly Cup champion with the Greenville Growl and a 2018 CHL champion with the Arizona Sun Dogs. In 2005-2006, he led the written renowned Italian team of the Alps Hockey League with 38 assists, 35 goals, and 73 points. All team bests. Can't wait to talk to you about the Alps Hockey League. Since, re- since retirement, he's become the owner of Can-Am Sports with Warrior Hockey, as well as a successful youth hockey coach. His teams compete in the very inclusive Brick Tournament in Edmonton, as well as the Quebec International Tournament. In his spare time, he enjoys singing and the fine art of double Dutch jump roping. Please welcome on air from St. Catharines, Ontario, drafted 21st overall in 1996 OHL entry draft by the Windsor Spitfire, Warrior Hockey representative Steve Rimshaw. Welcome, Funkle Steve. Wow, boys. I can't. Uh, that's impressive. That was long. I mean, Sully, you can keep on going on it if you want. I mean, <laughs> oh, I'm geez, sure there's I'm, a lot of other things that you Listen, your hat, you're, you're wearing a hat right now. If I keep going on, the, the buttons are just going to keep popping up. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's an introduction for um, rock stars. I don't know, Lev. Is there going to be a tour bus coming by my my house well, anytime soon? Well, that I got actually, jump I'm, I'm I'm going to need you to listen to the podcast after we air it, Steve, because maybe there is a mention of the tour bus stopping up there in Huntington Woods, and uh, we've talked about this for years. I mean, this could be the one. This could put us over the edge to tour bus status. Oh, that's exactly what I've been looking for after all these years, boys, that I could just go bye. I'm out. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. You'd walk out and wouldn't even shut the front door. <laughs> take, I wouldn't even take my toothbrush. <laughs> no, we'd stop, we'd stop and get one for you. There you go. Hey, so we're gonna have a lot of fun today, Steve. We look forward to uh, talking. Hey, again, thanks for coming on the show. Um, you know, this is obviously a very uh, fun and, and, amateur show but we try to get the good word out about hockey during this tough time that uh, everyone's going through um so let our listeners know you know let's talk about your start in hockey how did you get started um you know what do our listeners need to know about steve rimshaw uh you know what um i owe a lot to um my family first of all um growing up in i grew up in canada as 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 you mentioned uh my brother played hockey uh, my, it's funny. My, my dad knew nothing about hockey. So my dad was born, um, in, in Belarusia. All right. Comes over to Canada and he was a soccer goalie and that's all he knew. So come to Canada, 
gets a job over here, starts up a family, you know, has, has my brother. My brother goes, all right, I want to play hockey. My brother needed a coach. Like he wanted to play hockey, but there was no one to coach him at this time. So my dad goes, all right, I'll coach. <laughs> Does, my dad doesn't even know how to skate. He, he runs the whole runs the whole year that year from the bench with a whistle in his hand and just makes up drills. And that's, that's basically how my brother learned how to, how to play hockey. How old was when, How old was Andy at the time? Uh, he was uh, six or seven years old, probably at the time. He's <laughs> coaching the youth kids from the bench. He's, yes. He's, he's coaching the youth kids from the bench. And then your, your last name is Rimshaw. I thought you were talking about Tikhanov. Yeah. It's, there, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So basically it, ha- it, 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 it kind of happened from that. Like my, bro- I, I learned a lot from my brother um, and, uh, and th- the different sports that he, that he taught me, whether it be golf or, I mean, he put my, the first golf club in my hand. I mean, he put the first hockey stick in my hand um, and uh, it kind of escalated from there and just kind of keep on growing from there. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. And it's an amazing thing where, the game of hockey has taken me throughout the course of my life. So that's, I think that's the most exciting thing. How did you, how did you end up playing at St. Michael's and then obviously your hometown, uh, St. Catharines? So which, basically, which is one of the greatest rinks I've ever gone to in my life, by the way. Well, God save the queen, right? God yeah, save oh the my queen. gosh. God, 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 anytime you walk into a rink and there's a big, big banner of the queen hanging there, yes. you know, you're in a good spot, man. Yes, absolutely. Um, so how, how I ended up over there, basically when I was probably uh, 13, 14 years old, um, started taking hockey a lot more seriously and, and wanted and had aspirations of, of making it a career, so to speak. And I grew up in St. Catharines. St. Catharines, Ontario is, is I mean... It's a, it's a town of 150,000 people. So it's not like a small town in Canada. It's right by Niagara Falls, Ontario and everything. So, but the competition for hockey uh, in in my parents' eyes wasn't pushing me to the level that they thought I needed to be. So I I was lucky enough to uh, try out for a team in, in Toronto and St. Mike's, um, uh, St. Mike's high school uh, had a junior team at uh, there uh, very well organized, a very ru- well run organization there and, um, had an opportunity to go there and, and further and, and try to get in front of, uh, like scouts, NCAA scouts or OHL scouts that would have, uh, uh, just basically, uh, more exposure for me. And, uh, so that was huge for me uh, to do something like that. I mean, my I I tip the cap to um, my my dad because I mean we we practiced four or five times a week, uh, and he would he would work at GM, you know, from seven in the morning to three three in the afternoon. Pick me up from school, drive me into Toronto, which is an hour and a half there. Practice for an hour and a half. Get back home. Um, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and then wake up the next morning and do it all over again. I mean, I drove back and forth for, for three years just to get this exposure um, and to further my hockey and, and, and to play against better competition and, and push, be able to push myself in order to, to play at the next level, which is, uh, which was, you know, instrumental in my career starting at that, that's uh, that age. 
Um, so that I, I did that for a year, um, ended up verbally committing uh, to Western Michigan University from um, my year at St. Mike's. So kind of had the uh, everything in place. And I just wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to come back home and play. Uh, St. Catharines uh, has a great junior B program there. And I grew up playing. Um, I grew up watching the St. Cath- the, the Catharines Falcons play all the time, you know, Friday night, big, big night, go, go to the junior B game, go, you know, and you're, you're big, you're big town, uh, uh, big town player when you, when you play for St. Catharines Falcons and, um, had an opportunity since I had my, my, my scholarship in place to, to, to go back to St. Catharines, play there, try to bring a championship home there. Uh, came within one game of bringing the whole thing uh, back to the hometown. We lost in game seven of the Sutherland cup final that year, which was, uh, which was devastating at the time, but um, you know, was able to, uh, was able to come back home and have a great year before, you know, moving, moving away. And then basically I haven't been home since, you know, I was 18 years old. And, um, so that, that, that's like the whole, uh, everything in, in the career. And, and, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for sure. Steve, let me ask you a question. So anyone that's never been to the St. Catharines arena, um, you know, last couple of years, you know, we've gone up there and watched some games and the, the crowds have been a little sparse. Yes. Um, but it, 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 it's an arena that's a, it's a bowl arena. It's an old arena. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an awesome hockey arena. Uh, when you were playing for St. Catharines, was that, was that like, like Friday nights was the place packed? Place. So juice, the place was packed. Juice, juice. I mean, I mean, listen, the, the, growing up in St. Catharines, Ontario. I mean, back then when when I was growing up, we don't forget we didn't have a OHL team that they have there now. So they have the okay. Niagara Ice Dogs there now, right. right? And that's kind of the thing thing to do, uh, you know, to go to the Niagara Ice Dogs game. Um, but growing growing up was the St. Catharines Falcons Junior B game. You go every Friday. Like I remember going to school Friday coming back home yelling at my mom hey we need to get something to eat because we need to go to the we need to go to the falcon game it's it's friday night let's go it's 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 go time right <laughs> so like that's that's what we would do every friday like that was our thing like as a family that we would do we go see like we'd be talking about it at school all day long you know are you going to the game are you going to the game like they they were those guys were like rock stars uh and, and I just kept on, as I'm growing up and watching this going, man, would it be so cool to play for these guys and, and to pl- be a part of that organization. And I was lucky enough to be a part of it. And and the rink is just, I mean, character beyond belief. Like oh, yeah. we've already mentioned. Didn't, about. You work, didn't you work there too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you paint that arena? I, mean, I, if I, 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 I kept up with the maintenance in that arena too. So, so <laughs> when I went hey, to Western. Jay, Jay, no wonder that seat broke that we sat on the other last. <laughs> Year we were there. Freaking Rimshaw put it together. It's a, every third righty tighty, Steve. Righty tighty, lefty Lucy. Uh, listen, talk to my wife. I've never had a tool in my hands for <laughs> ever, ever. Uh, the biggest tool that I have is my hockey stick. That's all I have in my hand. Um, Man, but I yeah, you're going no, somewhere I, else with that. This is a family show. It's Jesus. a family show. Jeez, yeah. I was going, where's that button on this computer? Where's, where's the mute button? Oh, no, the. Uh, 
Yeah. I, uh, so when I was at Western, um, I, I came home, I came home for two summers. Uh, I came home my freshman year, um, for like three, four months. I came home my sophomore year for the, like, uh, like two, three months. And, um, you know, mom and dad's like, Hey, you know, get a job. So I knew, I knew a guy that worked for the city that was, was hired, that was hiring. And I was, and so I talked to him and he's like, what, what, what am I going to do? He's like, <laughs> you're going to just like work at the rink. You do maintenance at, at the rink. I'm like, which rink? He's like, you know, Jack Acliffe arena. I'm like, like, there's, there's no ice in there. There's no, like, what are we doing? He's like, Oh, we're going to repaint it. We're going to repaint the rink this, this summer. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, all right, let's do this. So I, I literally all summer long from like from seven in the morning till, till three 30 in the afternoon, we just sit around and we're, we were like union workers. We, we went to the rink every day. We grabbed, we, we didn't want to go too fast. Didn't want to go too slow. Went at the same pace and just, and we repainted the rink. We did maintenance. We did the seats. We did, uh, you know, change the bulbs, everything, so that when the season started for the St. Catharines Falcons, like we talked about, it was ready to go and it was tip top shape. And and I just remembered, like, it was like how it works, like full circle all over again. You, like you play for the team the one year, and then the, like two years down the road, now you're, you're doing the maintenance guy. Maintenance guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You're like, all right. <laughs> Like, I guess, you know, give it back to the community and give it back to the organization a little bit after, after I leave. <laughs> two years prior, you were two, <laughs> two years before you're, you're, you're scoring goals for him, celebrating. Yeah. The we're, next we're, thing we're, you know, you're, you're painting the red line. Yeah. We're, I, we're, I can see you. I can see you a day that is just, you're just in a bad mood long night, whatever. And you're pushing the cart with the paint. You're looking around, you're like, a year ago, I was first star in this building, and now here I am, and you got the paintbrush rolling a red line on the wall. And the only thing I wanted to do that my that, that my buddy, who was like my boss, so to speak, I, I wanted to, uh, he wouldn't let me, I wanted to retire my own number. So I wanted to get, to get go up in the rafters that, that summer, get my number 19 jersey and put it up. And then, and then so when I left and went back to Western, I could, ret- I, no, I, I was like, listen, man, Pete, I don't need a ceremony. I don't need anything. Just, just let me put it up there. I'll leave. No one will, no one will ask, like, no one's even going to notice. No one's going to ask any questions. Let's just put it up there. Put it right like, next I to mean, the picture of the queen. Yeah. Right, right next to the queen. I was like, let's go. Oh, man. Oh, good God. So, hey, you you go the NCAA route, even though you're drafted by Windsor. What what made you decide to go NCAA instead of OHL? Yeah, that was was a really uh, difficult decision in my life because I'm sitting there as a a, 16-year-old being drafted in the second round. Well, first of all, like, so when I go to the draft and – I've talked to like four or five different teams and my advisor that I had at the time, Windsor's about to, uh, you know, Windsor's being called up to select and did, didn't talk to them. Didn't have any communication with them. My, my agent leans over to me, goes, this could be you. And I look at him and I'm like, what are you talking about right now? Like, what do you mean? This could be me. We've never had anything going on with Windsor or whatever. Sure, and sure enough, 
they call my name and I'm like, wow, okay. Um, great organization. Uh, they were, they were on a rebuild, uh, going in. So I I had, I I knew I had a great opportunity to play there. Um, go, go to training camp, have a really good training camp that they even surprised myself. I think because going back at that time, there was a, like, you know, a 48 hour rule. So you could go there stay for, for two days. But if once you left, like you either you, you were out or if you stayed over 48 hours, you could cancel your college el- eligibility out, out the window. Right. So, so I'm there, my dad's there with me. The first exhibition game, I, I score like a goal. Uh, second exhibition game, I get, I, I get two goals. Um, starting to get some, um, rapport with like the older, with the older guys and, and some vets. Um, so the second game, this guy, this, this, this guy and the other team tries to take a run at me. I duck out of the way. And, uh, I still remember DJ Smith, who's now the coach of the auto senators. He was playing on the team. He was the captain of that team right there. He comes skating over, grabs the guy and goes, you touch this kid ever again, I'll kill you. So I'm like, oh, okay. So now, now I'm feeling good about being a part of this, this team and everything like that. 48 hours rolls around. Um, the GM brings me in, in his office. And I remember my dad telling me, don't go in any office without me. He goes, I will be by your side and everything. And it, it just happened. So it was like they were waiting for my dad to leave. My dad goes, all right, I got, I got to go. The, I, I, I'll, I'll be right back. Just you know, wait for me right here. He turns the corner. Boom. GM comes out of his office. He goes, Hey, Hey Rimmer, I need, need to see you. And I'm like 16 years old at the time. I'm like, Oh, oh okay. And brings me his office. He's like, hands, hands me a, a piece of paper and goes, love to sign. You want you'd be a part of the Windsor Spitfires. And I'm like, I'm not allowed to sign anything. And he goes, what, what do you mean? You're not allowed to sign anything. He goes, I'm like, I need my dad. I, I felt like I was like three years old, right? Like, uh, I need, I need my dad. I need my parents, or whatever. And I'm like, and I just basically said, I said, I, I'm not ready to sign. Um, and he goes, okay, well, you know, wait a day, um, come back. Let's let's have a meeting in the morning. Let's let's you know, we'll bring your father involved. Um, so we stay we stay over that night. Uh, I talked to my dad. Uh, over this and you know western western was still on the table at the time um windsor really really wanted me and i just it just came down to i'm like okay i had a great school package that they offered and i'm going you know what uh i have a i have a a four-year scholarship to western michigan university that's going to be you know like worth when everything's said and done, probably, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars and something that I can, that no one can take away from me um, with my, with an education package and play, I have an opportunity to play it in NCAA hockey and not, and not, and not to mention where, um, you know, I've had, my brother went to Western Michigan university and have that and, and to follow in his footsteps, so to speak there. And, or I could go to the OHL and kind of, escalate my career a little bit and, and, and play the pro way right away. And I just felt like I needed to, what worked for me personally was to wait, go to school, um, get an education, play NCAA hockey and learn and not be in a rush and rush my career to the, to the fact of like, you know, there's, there's a lot of OHL guys that, 
they're, they're 20 years old and they have to, they're either playing pro or their hockey career's kind of over with. And I didn't want, I didn't want that. I wanted to, wanted to play NCAA hockey. I, I grew up watching it um, we, with my brother going there. I thought it was a great game and I thought it was going to make, evaluate, evaluate my game to the next level to take me to um, a, a better professional uh, uh part in, and and playing, uh, at more high level games. You know, I, th- I think, in, and we're having a lot of fun here today. And I think what you just said right there, it, it, you know, if this is about the only time I'm going to ask us to really get serious here, but what you said right there, Rimmer was an awesome thing that some of our young listeners need to really understand and really hear is you don't have to rush it. You know, oh, don't 100%. rush, don't rush it. When you're I, a guy, a coach from Bowling Green state university told uh, our group of guys that we coach one time that in order to move on to the next level, you have to be the best at whatever level you're at. Yes. And the only way you move on to the next level is if you're the best of yeah. where you're at. And and if you're not the best this year, don't rush it. No. Yeah. Don't rush it. I, absolutely. You know, we, we had a great conversation with Trent Vogelhuber uh, who played at Miami. He is uh, assistant coach at the, uh, with the monsters. And he was playing in the North American hockey league uh, for uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. And he was playing for, um, I forget uh, who's the coach. Uh, uh, Columbus Cooper. Coop. Yeah, yeah. John Cooper. John he, was Cooper. Playing, he was playing for John Cooper. John Cooper Not got him the Columbus. scholarship. Uh, Tampa. Tampa, Tampa. Bay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, he got him the scholarship to Miami and he had a year left. And uh, I don't know if it was Miami that said they wanted him to go play in the USHL. Or he, want, he wanted he, to go he play. He wanted to see if he could get to another level, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. And it, it make a long story short, he got hurt, but his conversation to us was he doesn't know if that would have been the right decision for him. No. Right. It, and, and so for you to say, for you to say here today, like don't rush and you didn't, you felt it was, it was good not to rush it. I think that's, that speaks volumes to our, our young listeners. Well, you, Steve, you also had a good rapport with Western because your brother was there. Yeah, absolutely. You knew, you knew what the NCAA game was. You knew what the OHL game was, but you were you, you were so comfortable with NCAA hockey based on you know family lineage and all that that you were basically staring at the at the best of both worlds. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing um, that that we can take right now is there's no rush to do anything. Like I, I look at, um, well, especially nowadays. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, oh, Jesus, there's, there's, you, you can't do anything any, any of these days anymore, but no, I mean, to, to, I mean, everyone's in a rush to, you know, be number one. Everyone's in a rush to finish first. Everyone's in a rush to be, uh, to, to, to be the best all the time. You know what guys, no one can be the best from when you're eight years old till you're, you know, 38 years old. You know, there's only a handful and we could probably count on one hand, you know, it's Gretzky, it's Crosby, it's McDavid, you know, these, these guys that are, you know, world best players in, in the world. Like, there's baby steps to everything that we do. I, and, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I have an eight year old boy that's, that's starting to play hockey that I'm coaching and everything. And, and, you know, there, there's a lot of things that he needs to improve on. And I'm sitting here and he's not playing on the best team right now. It is at his age group. He's not, um, 
you know, lighting the lamp every single game and, and all like, and, and he's having fun. And, and that's what I think needs to happen right now. Like, I think as sometimes as parents, we, we put a lot of pressure on our kids to, to, to be the best and want to be the best and everything like that. Let them have fun. Let them explore on their own. Let them, you know, go out there and they want to throw a pizza up the middle and the guy intercepts it and it goes down and they lose the game. Well, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to suck, but it's also going to be life, like left life uh, lessons and, and stuff that they're not going to do down the road. Like let them, let them fail now. So that when, when down the road, when they're, when it really means something that they're not, um, they're not making those mistakes and, and to just sit back and watch them play and enjoy them play is, is something that I, I think is that, that we should do more often and something that, uh, we just need to sit back and just say, okay, um, take the time, um, and, and enjoy what they're doing right now. Like, I, I mean, my, my two nephews, like one played NCAA, another one played in the OHL. And there's a lot of guys that I've seen play in the, in both leagues and go, you know, everyone's talking about that guy and is that guy's going to be the, in the NHL. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, I don't think so, man. Like, like, okay. I am believing what you're, what, like, I'm not buying what you're selling right now, but if that's what you think, okay. And then there's other guys that, that I I've watched and I'm like, there's no way that guy could play at the next level. And you know, I'm watching hockey today and he's out there right now. So <laughs> it's, it, they, they, a lot of kids and, and everyone develops at different, at different, at different times. And you just need to let them go out and have fun and play the game. And, and, and eventually they're going to get it when they want to get it. And if they don't want to get it again, that's okay. But, um, they're going to get it at their own pace and to be patient is something that, that, uh, we all need to do. Right. He talked to us a little bit about pro hockey. I'm going to say, obviously we, everyone that's never played the game understands the good of it, but what's the good and bad of pro hockey? Give me your, give us your experience of the good and of the bad. It's, um, it's the best job that anyone could ever ask to do, but also probably one of the most stressful job that you ever do at the same time. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you look at uh, for normal fans and normal listeners that you have, um, you know, you, you look at a guy like, uh, um, you know, Dylan Larkin. Um, I know you had uh, coach plasma on, yep. on here a couple of weeks back. And, and, and I listened to that, listen to that, that pod, listen to that, that telecast. And he talked about how those guys just bring it to the next level and they practice, 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 practice. Right. Um, and you know, you, as fans, we look at guys that, Oh yeah, that guy's making $10 million. What stress could be in his life right now? He's making $10 million, but in, do you believe like, no one sees behind the scenes what that guy's doing in order to make $10 million a year. He's, you know, we, 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 you and I, you guys, we could get together and be like, Hey, Friday night, let's go out to the, let's go out and have a couple cocktails. Right. So sure. the, St. So the St. Catherine's game on Friday night. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to, <laughs> let's, let's go to, let's go to Jack Aycliffe, go to the go to Falcons game and go have a couple beers. We go and do it. A guy like Dylan Larkin or some of these guys that are, are playing in the NHL, like they, no, they don't do it because you know what? They got to stick, like they got to work out the next day. Yeah. And they, they gotta, they gotta make sure they're in top tape, uh, 
shape in order to, to have that workout and to to better themselves. And that, that's something that we don't see as normal fans. We don't see as as people that uh, you know just watch them recreationally. And and that is that's stressful, man. I go when when you like I and during my career, I had one year deals. Everywhere I went, I was signed for one year. So I was it was like I was a free agent for eight straight years. <laughs> and I was going in every single year, going, man, I better I better um, better bring it this year because if I don't, then I'm not going to make as much money the following year, or I might not even have a job next year. And that's that that's tough when you're con- consistently doing that. Like, you know, like I, I, I'm lucky enough to have a job now where I'm, I, I know every day what I'm doing and I, the next day it's going to be there and the following day is going to be there. But when you're a hockey player, you could be in one city that one day and they could ship you off to the next city the next day. And next, and next thing you know, you, you when you get families involved and you get kids involved, that's something that, that, you know, it keeps you up at night. And, and so that's, that's the, you know, quote unquote, the bad part of it and something that's, you know, stresses you out, but guys, well, how about the time, playing, how about the time, how about the time that, that McDavid is, I, I know, you know, McDavid Crosby, those are in a whole different world, but you know, Crosby can't go anywhere. He basically has to stay at his house. If he does, he has to have security at the wazoo. Oh. But McDavid is out to dinner in in Edmonton, in his hometown or in his, his playing town with his mom and dad. And he gets chirped so bad by fans that they have to leave. And oh. I, I watched the interview. I watched him get asked about that, this incident. And he said, we got to the, to the sidewalk to get to the car. And my dad is going, I want to turn around and punch this guy in the face. And Connor's like, dad, you can't do that. Just yes. everybody has phones. It will be all over. Just Take a deep breath. Let's get in the car. Let's get the heck out of here. So I can't I imagine great, that life. So I got a great story about this. Okay. You, you bring it up, love it, and, and it's it's perfect because this is how like <sighs> I played my first year. I played in Germany, right? It was uh, it's a town of probably like uh, I don't know uh, about ten ten to fifteen thousand people, right? So it's small town. We were picked up like in the middle of the road. Um, you know, it's, I think we, it, at that time there was like 12 teams in the league. Um, I think we were picked to finish like anywhere from like fifth to like eighth. Um, it's the beginning of the year. I know no German at all whatsoever. <laughs> I'm like, just, you know, and I'm, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm looking for this specific ingredient. And I'm like, I have no idea. So I'm, I'm looking around for like a high school kid that I think that could like help, help me out that knows English. Right. So find this guy. I'm like, Hey, Sprecken, Sprecken's the English. He gives me old yes. And I go, I'm looking for, for this right here. He looks at me and goes, you play hockey. I go, yeah. He goes, no, I'm not helping you. Cause the, the, the fans weren't happy with us because we, we were losing and we weren't, and we weren't like at, at the level that we should have been. All and you wanted was he, some cumin. That's it, man. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, and, and he just, and he walks away from me and I'm sitting there going, 
you're really not going to help me. And then I would go to the next guy and like the, everyone's like, I was like the plague. Everyone's running away from me, like in this grocery store and not helping me because like, cause we weren't playing well that time. And, at, and But the opposite just happens just as much when you're playing well as an individual and the team's doing well. Oh, I mean, I remember playing in Italy and <laughs> people are opening up their doors and inviting me in for coffee. And I'm just like, <laughs> all right, I have no idea what you are. We're just going to sit ac- across from each other to have, try to have a conversation and, and just go do this. Cause I got nothing else to do at two o'clock in the afternoon. Cause we don't practice till eight o'clock tonight. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going in there and, 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 and having coffee with strangers and they're just loving life because, someone from the hockey team is, is in their house right now. And we're just kind of communicating and, 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 uh, having a great time. But I mean, it, it, it can work both ways. Um, the good and the bad, but I, I'll tell you one thing. Um, there's a lot, a, a lot more good than, than bad that comes out from playing professional hockey. I know there's a, you know, it, at times it, it is hard at times you, you have to sacrifice a lot. Um, you, you, you got to stick to regiment. You got to stick to a, 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 you know, you, you got to watch what you can do, what you can't do nowadays with, with cell phones and everything else that's goes on. You, you got to be careful. Um, I feel bad for him because back when I played, if there's cell phones with cameras and everything, I don't know if I would have had an eight year career. But, you know, <laughs> well, let's talk <laughs> about that, Steve. Let's talk about <laughs> so, so wait, So wait, you, you, you come out of Western, you go to the coast, and you guys win the Kelly Cup. Yeah. That happens in your first year pro. Are yeah. you sitting here going, this is going to be like this easy. every year. It's this is that, so easy. It's, it's that easy. I'm a legend already. Yeah, no. It, it, that first year in Greenville was was uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a great group of guys. Uh, we meshed um, We meshed well right away. Right away. Um, I remember when... Um, so that year I went to Atlanta Thrasher, uh, NHL camp. Then I got sent down to the Chicago Wolves in the AHL third camp. And I was like, all right, this is where I'm going to play. And then, um, things didn't work out and I ended up getting sent down to Greenville. And when I went to the GM's office and he sent me down, I was like, I'm going where, where, where? Greenville, South Carolina, Do they play hockey there. I'm like, what, what's, what's going on? Go down there coach that we had John Marks at the time, great guy taught like old school coach, like old school coach. Didn't care what you did. If you, if you shut your mouth and did what he asked you to do, you played. If you went outside the box and wanted to go on your own, he'd look at you, have a seat, son. If you're going to play my way, you're going to play, you're going to play. You're not going to play my way. Was he he the old coach of the Charlotte checkers? Yes, absolutely. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember my first bus trip with Greenville. We, we, we have a first, um, uh, first two games are being played in Florida. So it's a 12 hour bus trip and we got a sleeper bus. So we get, get, I get on the sleeper bus. Uh, it picks us up at at the apartments we're living in. And, um, it's like a 12 hour, 12 hour bus trip. He picks us up at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, walk, I want a Reno rookie, got to load up the bus, got to get all the bags in everything. So we get all the bags in. Um, 
it's a sleeper bus. All the vets have their bunks already made, beds are already made, the bed spreads are already out there. And I'm looking around and I'm like, man, do I even get a bed or I have to sleep on the floor for 12 hours here? <laughs> so I get it's the, it's the very first bunk uh, next to where the coaches sleep. And Marksy and the other assistant coach are just chirping all night long. The wine is flowing. It's like five and six o'clock in the morning and they're still going and they're going hard on, on, on the drinks and everything. And I'm, and we got to play the next day. And I'm like, how am I supposed to play when I've had like four hours sleep on this bus that's going up and down. And then I finally, we, we get there, we wake up and I hear Marcy go to the other coach. He's like, Oh, Hey, was I bad last night? You know, I kind of don't remember it. I'm like, and I look at, and I, all I wanted to say was, well, I was up till five in the morning to see all your stories, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so, but it, that's just the way he was. And, and, and he, he, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. It, it, he, he, he taught me a lot. He taught me what it, what, what it meant to be a pro he taught me like all, all the, um, you know, all the things it was necessary to be, to take your game to the next level and, 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 and grow the game. And, uh, and that was awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, the, the, the people in South Carolina could have been a little bit more educated when it came to the, to, to hockey. Cause they, they kind of were, are so in tune to football over there, but when they came out, supported us in bunches, um, the, the arena was packed, which I was actually surprised at when I first got there. You know, we, I mean, we averaged four or 5,000 people at, at our games. Oh, wow. And, and I, and I thought that was, you know, we'd go to other buildings and there'd be like, you know, a couple hundred people at games and we were getting four or 5,000 people to our games. And it was, it was, it was awesome. Um, so it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of, it was, you know, playing, playing hockey from basically, um, you know, August to, uh, you know, like June, you know, it, it was a long season. It was a very long season, but it was, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And it, it's still, when you win a championship at a professional level, you get, um, you have that bond with those guys. And there's a lot of guys that like, you know, we might not, you know, we all have families now or majority of us have families now. And, you know, it's not like we're, we're texting each other, calling each other all the time. But now that we have, we're starting to have kids. I, I run into guys that I want championships with at, at rinks now because their kids are playing hockey or whatever. And we still go back and go, Hey, remember, remember that year? That was unbelievable. Remember when we, we actually beat the uh, Dayton bombers. Cause I know, you know, <laughs> back in, in Ohio, we beat the bombers in there and we won it in their building, uh, in four games. And, um, so it was, it was a lot of fun and, and something I will, I'll never forget. Yeah. What was the name of that rink that they played in? Hera. Was it Hera arena? Hera arena. arena. Yeah. Could be. It could be. I just remember, I just remember our, we're going into game four. We came off it, came off a warm up, and our captain sitting there and he goes and he's unlacing his skates and he, and he, and he tightened them back up and he breaks his lace and Again, this is like June that we're playing in, and like five minutes before we're supposed to go out. And he goes, "We're finishing them tonight. That's it. This is enough. I'm I'm done with practicing. I'm done with playing." <laughs> he goes, "Boys, let's finish them tonight and be done with all this stuff." And we we all just looked at each other and goes, 
let's go. And we just got instantly fired up because <laughs> yeah. like, it was like, it was, it's a long year when you go through the grind and everything. It's, it's a long year, but it was like that little motivation that we had like five minutes before we were going to play. And you didn't think you'd like, you know, you look at like, I'm sure your listeners and everything like, Oh, I mean, it's game four. You're going to win a championship. What, what more did motivates you? you? You still need these little things that just, you know, yeah. motivate you to take you to the next level. And that like him just saying, guys, if, we don't if we win tonight we don't have to practice at like for the rest of the year and i was like i'm in let's go <laughs> right hey so you you go and play overseas for a while then and not I, I don't think i mean not a lot of your hockey fans here in the states know what it's like to play overseas or what the overseas leagues are like you know so what was your time like overseas and it, you know and talk to us a little bit about the towns you were in the leagues i mean how I read you, you played in the Alps league. Well, that's, you know, that had to be, uh, I would get car sick going up and down the Alps league. <laughs> Playing in Europe was so much fun. It was, it was a blast. Not only did I get to play in um, some unbelievable cities and unbelievable towns, uh, play against some great, great competition, um, but also just have a whole life experience with it. I mean, I lived, I lived in, uh, uh, in, 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 in Italy, in the mountains where it was like ski country, where every morning I looked out my window and I'm staring at this huge mountain that's like right in my face. And I'm like, who has it better than me right now? This is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm sipping, I'm sipping cappuccino at, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning, looking at a mountain and playing hockey. Like, what are we doing right now? Like what, what's in going Italy. on? In, did you, Italy. in Italy. Did you like oh. cappuccino before you were staring no, at the I mountain? Had no idea what it was. <laughs> I was just like, you know, I, I'm going to the cafes and I'm looking around. I'm going, what's that? I'll have one of those. And they're like, all right. And I'm, I'm sipping on this. And, and you know, knowing what a, a cafe macchiato was. And I was like, oh, okay, let's, let's, let's give it a go. I'm, I'm good to try something once, you know, and, and it was awesome. I mean, it, not only it was great to, to play over there, but guys like they would have breaks because uh, the world championships, as you know, over there is like their Stanley cup that we have over here. Yeah. Right. So during every, every uh, country I played in, it would have, uh, like two to three mandatory breaks for their national team to get together and practice. So because though they, they would do that, that's like a week off for me. Like that was like in the middle of a season having a week, like there would be nothing going on and it was a week off. So like I could do whatever I wanted during that week. Cause it was like, so the boy, they either, um, uh, the boy, we would get together and like, I I've been to Rome four times. I've been to Paris four times. I've been to, you know, uh, uh like Vienna, like a bunch of times. Like I, we, we just get, we, we'd get on a, on a train and start and go, all right, let's go here. And we'd stay there for like two, three days and we get on and then we could take another train and we go to a different city for two, three days. And then we'd, we, we would have fun there. And then, and then next thing you know, it would be like, like six days into our trip. And we're like, Oh man, 
hey, the liver's, liver's hurting right now. We need, we need to get back home and we just need to get in our beds and just like take, because we practiced in two days. Let's just go back home and just like, you know, veg out for a little bit. So it, it, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, we got to see the world and, and uh, it, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a cool time in my life. So if you what, could, if you could hold on, Jay, if you yeah. could compare like the leagues you played in there, maybe correlate them to the leagues here to give our listeners an idea of like what kind of like what level of pro hockey was it that in in Europe? So I would say my first year I played in Germany it was it was the Bundesliga. It was the second it was the second league in Germany. I would I would probably compare that to the uh, like um, probably like the East Coast League. Um, there was uh, a, it was a combination of of older guys that were at the end of their careers, we'll call it. And a lot of young kids that were starting their career, um, at the time. And a lot of those young guys would end up playing, um, in the NHL. A lot of the young guys would, would, you know, be playing in the world juniors for the, for, for team Germany that were playing in a, in that league. So that, that was, that was Germany and in Italy. Um, I would probably, it, it, it was probably the same. Uh, the, the only one thing that when I, my first year I played in Italy, that was the, uh, the lockout for the NHL. So we actually had, um, probably I, my team was the only team that didn't have NHL players in it because we were on a low, like we were one of the lower budget teams that, uh, in the league. And, but I mean, Matthew Schneider, play, uh, no, Matthew Dandino played in that league. Um, Rico Fada played in that league. I don't know if you, uh, he, he, he played in, I think for Pittsburgh at the time. Um, so we, we, every, every, uh, Matt Cullen for Pittsburgh Penguins mm-hmm. Stanley cup champion, he played in that league. Um, so like we, we were playing at some like high end, high end talent. Uh, so, so, uh, I would, that was probably like an East coast, uh, uh, league two with those NHL guys sprinkled in, um, my two years in Denmark were probably the two most, um, competitive years that I played probably over in Europe. That was probably an AHL, uh, league. I, uh, I, I would say, um, there was a lot of, uh, being in Denmark, there was a lot of, uh, Sweden and Finland are basically touching those two, two, uh, those two countries are touching Denmark. So we got, had a lot of Finns in the league, a lot of Swedes in the league. Um, and I, I mean, you look at the the world championships and and Olympics that you know Denmark has has some good hockey talent mm-hmm. right now, and they have a lot of guys that are are playing in the NHL right now that that were starting off when when I was playing in that league. So that was a very very good league that I played in in Denmark. And when you, when you go when you go over to like you know when when I was asked like uh, all right you're going to play hockey in Italy, I was like what's this? They, 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 they play hockey in Italy. Like I thought that's just a soccer country, you know, but, but when you get into these bubbles and you get into these guys, they, it, it's, it's good hockey. It's good hockey, man. Like it, it, it was, a, it was, uh, it was great competition. Um, great guys. And, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And what was your, what was your favorite town to live in? It was probably, uh, it had, well, no hands doubt about it. It was my time in Renown my second year in Italy, it was a town of, of like a thousand people. And we were picked that year to finish, like, I think either last or second last. And 
we ended up finishing like I think third, third or second or third that year in the regular season, made it all the way to the finals. And the town was buzzing, boys. They were buzzing the whole year. It was like we couldn't like we couldn't go anywhere without being stopped. It was like literally like we were rock stars. And I remember my girlfriend coming to visit me, who's my wife at the time, and she 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 came down and it was like we went to the grocery store, went to the bank, and like people were asking for my autograph. And she's looking at me like, Are are you serious right now? <laughs> like we are you're doing this? And I'm like, Hun, yeah, got to take care of the public, man. I'm, I'm one of the people here, over here. You know, I just got to deal with it. She's like looking at me like, stop already. Like you, you need to go back to North America and be a nobody. But for, like those, for that, for those eight months, it was awesome. I mean, like I'm, I'm this, like we had, we had one bank, we had one grocery store. Our backup goalie was the butcher. All right. He was his parents. His what's, parents owned what's the butcher at the grocery store. His his, his the, our backup goalie. His parents owned like the the meat store that was in town, and we'd go there, and we that's where we get like our you know our sandwich meat, and like if we wanted steaks that night. We'd go we'd go see him, and we'd be like, all right, see you later at practice tonight. <laughs> but like that's like that's how small this town was. But everyone. Everyone, we had a great year. We all like because there was, I think there was like six or seven North uh, North Americans on that team, and we all got along very well. I mean, I live, I had my own apartment, but literally across the hall from my apartment was another two guys, and we just would keep our doors open, and it was like a frat house going in and out, in and out, and. We, we, it was just a, an unbelievable time, an un, unbelievable time. I mean, like we, we, we'd go out and, and, um, it, and just whatever we, we, it was like kind of living that rock star mentality without like, you know, in, in no words, we were we rock stars, but we felt like, and they treated us like, like right. that. Right. So you, when, when you first got, I know you've told me this story before, you get to Italy. I think it was Italy you were telling me about. Can you talk about the car ride to your town? <laughs> I thought it was going to be my last car ride ever <laughs> in my entire world, in my, in my life. So I fly in. So um, I leave Detroit Metro, fly into Milan, and Milan to Fossa at the time, my first year in Italy, that's where I played. It's like a three, three and a half hour car ride. So I leave at like 11 o'clock at night over here, get in over there with the time change and travel and everything. It's like, it's like 11 o'clock in the morning over there. So I'm basically kind of like up 13, 14 hours. No, like, well, more than that, because, you know, 24 hours to begin with. And I, this random person is holding a sign says Steve Rimshaw. And I just walk to them. I'm like, I'm Steve. And they're like, all right, great. Follow me. I'm like, okay. So I'm like following, following this woman and get in the car, you know, real, really nice, like, you know, talkative, new English or whatever. And we start driving and, and, and I go, so how long? She's like, oh, like three hours. And over there, they, they just zoom, like there's no speed limits over there on like the Autobahn or anything. Like they just get in the car and they go. And I'm like, seatbelt, you know, <laughs> buckled in. All right. And 
she she's zooming away and i'm like dozing off and and i'm and i'm constantly i'm like okay trying not to be rude and falling asleep on her but also like where am i going like i have no idea where i'm going I, all i was told it's a small town and i'm like thinking small town okay we're gonna get off the highway and next you know get one exit and and we're gonna be in town well two hours into the trip she gets off an exit and i'm like okay start driving up this mountain and it's like we're passing horses we're passing cows we're passing like all this vineyard out there because it's wine country and i'm like this is going to be it this is this is the end of steve rimshaw i'm going down <laughs> I, I and 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 i'm going i'm thinking to myself going this can't be the, like, do I fall asleep and just let her kill me right now? Or do I, or do I stay awake and try to create a fight so that I keep my life going, but I'm exhausted at this time. <laughs> and, try to create a fight. <laughs> and, and because, and then next, thing you know, we're driving, we're, we're zigzagging through these mountains. We're zigzagging through like nothing but, um, uh, like trees and, and farm country. And then all of a sudden this town appears and there's like one lane in, one lane out, and a hockey arena. And she pulls in the hockey arena and she goes, here you go. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm still alive. Still have 10 <laughs> fingers, still have 10 toes. It's, this is a good thing. And uh, But literally, like, she's, it was like going through a back alley for an hour of my life. And I just, I was freaked out by it like beyond belief of not knowing where the hell I'm going for, you know, for, for this time. And then next, you know, it's, it's, a and then when the mountains appear and they go, here you go, you're home. And I'm like, wow, what a great place to live. And what an unbelievable, like I get to live here for, for a year, sign me up. Let's go do this. <laughs> so, Hey, what got you, what got you into coaching? You're coaching now. You know what? It's I love it. Like I, I still play once a week. I hated it because I can't do anything that I normally used to be able to do. Uh, back when I was doing this as a, a as a job and professional. And I want I want I want you to get to the coaching. But you talk about you're still playing. Last time I saw you play, I think Darth Vader, uh, Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi, Boba Fett were on the ice. The one stormtrooper came out for Chuckapuck night, bailed. His bailed. helmet rolled to the red line. I, I, I believe I believe that was the night where they were auctioning off jerseys. And yeah, uh, you almost, I, got, I, me I to, some, you almost got me to spend four hundred dollars. I, I, I had some Brian friends Smolinski in the stands jersey. that uh, will, will not be named at the time, and I was waving high when my jersey was being auctioned off, and you and someone someone put their hand up in the air and said, "Oh, we'll take four hundred from the upper from section 17. And then someone stood up and said, "No, that was." That wasn't for the jersey. <laughs> I, I, I think I recall uh, a young lady standing next to me going, do you have $428 to spend on Steve's jersey? And I went, no, why? She goes, because you just bid on it. And I was like, no, I was waving high. <laughs> I, I, I might been a, that might have been the time, too, that I had a red Solo cup on the ice, too. No, it was a Gatorade cup. It was, it was, Gatorade, it was Gatorade, 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 Gatorade that was cup. in there, that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was actually a Gatorade cup. What was in it, you never, ever told I, I us. Don't but just tell. I, I will tell you this. We showed up. This was in Port Huron. 
Oh, and we oh yeah. Showed up, oh, yeah. And we showed oh, yeah. up. And when we pulled into town, so I'm driving. So he looks at me and goes, what do you think they're going to do when they shut the mill down? <laughs> I'm like, ah, they're just jacking the guys around, making, you know, making them happy. They got jobs. Right. So we pulled up to the old war memorial there in Port Huron and we go in the wrong door. And Sully's the first one and he opens the door and there's a couple guys standing there and he goes, Hey, is this the hockey game? The guy goes, good joke. We're like, what do you mean? We're actually looking for the hockey game. Yeah. Oh no. The old joke of, uh, I went to a hockey game or I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Yeah. There was actually fights going on at one side of the arena. <laughs> they, they, had a, they had a boxing like undercard yeah. going on in the other side of the arena. And I'm like, so, no, 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 that's not what we're looking for. Yeah. So then we go to the correct door and we go to the ticket window and as we opened the door, there was Chewbacca, Darth Vader, and Boba Fett met us at the door. Oh, and we literally looked at each other and went, what did we get ourselves into here? Uh, oh, man. Next thing you know, I, mind you, this is my this is the greatest part of the whole story. It was Chuck-a-Puck night, and you guys scored the first goal, and instead of waiting till it was time to chuck a puck, you guys scored the goal, and they started chucking the pucks on the ice. The, the, the PA announcer had to go, please wait until it's Chuck-a-Puck time to throw the pucks. So that's when the stormtrooper came out. He, took, he had a shopping cart with him on the ice. He took one step. He bailed. His helmet goes rolling to the red line. We're in the stands dying laughing. I said, I, I think said, he made eye contact the, with it. What the hell did Steve tell us to come to here? How about that, boys? How about that barn, though? I mean, having yeah. a professional, professional hockey team in an arena that's basically, I mean, blue line to blue line, what was it, like? 20 feet from blue line. Like there's no <laughs> neutral zone in that building. I love playing in that. I love playing two line passes. Oh, I love playing in it because I, I literally would skate, like take three strides and it'd be down the ice already. I'd be like, oh. I buy shifts that year. We're like three, three, three and a half minutes a, a shift because I didn't have to skate. Like I was like skating hard, but it was like you, you take two strides, you'd be down the end of the ice already. I swear, oh. I swear to God, I sat in the stands for the first. Well, I think we showed up with like three minutes already gone in the first period, and I sat there for the first period. I'm thinking, what the hell? Where am I? What is going on here? Oh man! <laughs> it, 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 the, the other great, the other great part of that. So that, so I, that was my last year that I played. So I'm like starting to settle down with my, uh, you know, she was she was my fiance at the time. So I'm, you know, settling down. Like, got a house. You know, doing all the like being being the old professional leader on the team. And so I played in Flint that year before. And then I got traded over to Port Huron because we weren't making the playoffs in Flint. And I basically said, you know, if we're not making the playoffs, trade me. I was one of the guys making the high, like, you know, high salary. So that was, I was, I was a salary dump at uh, 800 a week, you know? <laughs> so Flint, Flint went into the rebuild and they got rid of the rebuild. I was the got, salary dump at 800 a week. Dump at 800 a week. <laughs> so I, they, they shipped me to, they, they, they do the professional thing. They brought me in the office and said, Hey, where would you want to go? And I was like, all right, well, sent me to Port Huron, I guess, because it was, I was still living at, at home at the time in Detroit. So whether for me to drive to Flint 45 minutes away or drive to Port Huron 45 minutes away, it was, I was like right in the middle of both. So I was like, just, if you could do me the favor, ship me to Port Huron, if they'll take me, you know, and they were able to, both uh, teams were able to make a deal 
and I ended up going there. And then I, I play my first game there. Who were you traded for, by the way? Do you know? Jeff Zare hated <laughs> that poor guy. Yeah, no, I bet he did. <laughs> he, he, so, another story. So uh, don't sidetrack me. Come on. Um, oh, so, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you're fine. So, um, so we play my first game in Port Huron, and uh, they they announced the three stars. And one of our major sponsors was was Meyer. So that's a grocery store over here in Michigan. And the first third star gets like a $25 gift card for at Meyer. Second star gets $50 and first star gets a hundred dollars. And I'm sitting in there and I'm watching this. I wasn't a star that game or anything like that, but I'm, I'm like, they can't no gift cards here. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's go time. So every home game I go, I play my, my fiance's at the time is going, you can get free groceries this week. You better play well tonight or don't bother coming home. So that was the only thing that she was worried about when I would go play a home game. You better be a star and be the first star because that's a hundred dollar gift card and we won't have to pay for groceries for the entire week. I was like, sure, honey, that, I'll get right on that for you. But your, your home stats and your weight stats are totally opposite. Oh, it, it was insane that year like when I, when I got there. It was like, I think I like, it was like two to one from home to home to road stats, but let to get, get back to Jeff's there. So we, we, at that league was, we only had six, six teams in that league. Right. So when you got traded for, and Port Huron was, was really good. They were the, I think first, uh, I no they were second, uh, at the time I got traded and Zare was there for like he was a lifer there. Like he, he played, he played there for like three, four years um, and was kind of like digging his roots in the community and everything. And, and he ended up getting traded for me. So he, he, we, we ended up playing them. I think we ended up playing Flint, I think four times, five times, like between when I got traded and, and the end of the season. And that dude chased me around the ice <laughs> Every single shift, it was like I literally think that Dude, you, like, took, you took his grocery money from him, bro. Exactly. <laughs> like it was, it was like he. There was times where I wasn't even around the puck or wasn't even around, and he's like in my ear, yelling at me, <laughs> saying all this stuff, slashing me, hitting me, and finally I got to the point. I'm like, are we do, you, like, are we gonna do this or what? And they would drop the mats and go at it, and just and and I thought I thought like after I did that, then. It's it's like you know the score settled. Let's move on and everything like that. That made even made it worse. He just wanted more, more and more. I, like I, we could have probably fought like four times a game that year, and <laughs> when we played against each other, and I was just like, dude, we're not getting paid enough to do this. Like slow <laughs> down. Like, <laughs> but oh, but when you yeah, when you when you when you added the eight when you had the eight hundred dollars, the hundred dollar Meyer gift card. The twenty-five dollars oh, yeah. Starbucks card. I mean, it all adds up. It all adds up, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's 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 there, Flint still owes me some money. I'm still. I should go back there and try to get <laughs> try to recoup yeah. some of that money that they still owe me. Moving expenses, right? <laughs> so, so the original question: How you, you're into coaching? You get into coaching? Yes. How how have you enjoyed that? Obviously, you've been to the Brick Tournament. You've been to Quebec for the Pee Wee Tournament International. <clears throat> what got you into coaching? I think, you know, growing up in Canada, um, it's kind of, uh, 
the coaches that I had growing up were guys that played hockey that were willing to give back and to make, try to make a difference in, um, other young kids. Um, and that's something that I wanted to do. Uh, when I, I, I doing it a little bit, uh, during the time that I was still playing with my nephews growing up and coaching their teams, um, as much as I could, uh, when I was, when I was still playing, I just grew a passion for it. And it's something that I, I wish is, is like when I was, when I was done playing, I wish I would have stayed, they got right into coaching right away and see where that would have taken me. It's just a different way to look at the game. When you're playing, when you're playing a game, you're just kind of like going, all right, uh, you know, you're listening to the coaches you're playing and you're playing, uh, the way they tell you how to do, but to, to come with the whole, whole concept of a game plan and everything is just, is, it's just awesome to me now. And, and the biggest thing is is developing these kids to see to uh, to, to fulfill their dreams of of going to the next level. Like I, I'm at the point in, in my uh, my age and my in in my career, so uh, quote unquote like uh, coaching career, where I've I've coached a Jacob Tricken, who's you know I was watching today with with the Coyotes, a Clayton Keller that's on the that's on the Coyotes. Um, you know, uh, uh, and, and to see them fill their dreams and say that, like, you know, I was, I was a part of something like that's, that's something that's really cool. Uh, one of, one of my most, uh, gratifying, st- uh, coaching stories that I have is, you know, was came out of that brick tournament. Uh, and for those of, of your worldwide list listeners that don't know about the, the brick tournament, that's like basically a, uh, uh, a tournament of, the best 10 year olds, uh, in North in in both, uh, Canada and U S that go, that go to Edmonton. And, um, I had an opportunity to play, uh, to coach, uh, three different teams there. And so it gets pretty competitive and, and unfortunately at, at certain times of, of games, you know, you're, 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 you're matching lines, even at 10 years old, um, or you're, you're, you're giving some kids a little less ice time than other kids. And, and I had this one kid that I'm coaching and, uh, he, he's not getting a lot of ice time during the game. It's, it's a game that we have to win. And, and I'm trying to get him as, get him out there as much as possible. But I, 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 uh, you know, unfortunately it's, it's not working out and I get him out there and we score a goal and the smile on this kid's face as he's coming down the bench. Cause he was out there when we scored is something that I still remember to this day. And, um, it's, it's when, when the kids get it, and the kids, when you're trying to teach, you know, we, you've been there uh, a thousand times and you're like, go to, go to the left wing, open up, get a pass, make, make another pass. And they don't do it. And you say the same thing and you say the same thing and you say the same thing over and over and over again. And finally they get it and they do it. And you look at them and you're like, do you understand? And the smile on their face and the fact that they get it is just like, it's heartwarming to me. And I love it. And I love, I love to see that. And I love to see that, uh, when you can get through to a young mind like that and, and hopefully it takes them to where they want to be and whether they want to be, you know, um, playing in the NHL or they just want to be a part of, um, uh, getting a scholarship or, or whatever they want to do. You know, when I coach, I try to teach life lessons, you know, it's about hard work and, and life it's, you know, 
whether you're playing a sport or you're not playing a sport, you got to work hard every, like we wake up in the morning and whatever our job is, is about making, try to make yourself a better person and trying to make yourself a better, uh, you know, whether it be an ad, like making yourself a better athlete or, or anything it is, it's, it's about working and, and, and setting goals and achieving goals. And that's what I try to teach. And that's what I try to, uh, you know, inst- install in, in, uh, all the kids that I coach and it, whether it be, you know, I, I'm, I'm coaching my daughter for the first time this year. So that should be, it should be interesting. She's, uh, she, it's her first year playing full ice hockey. So that, so I, but I'm really excited about that because that's when you can really, you know, hopefully install some things in, in their minds and, and, um, and, 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 and have them understand the game and, and grow a passion for it. And that's what I'm hoping to achieve with all of them. But uh, coaching is, is, is something that um, I love and, and something I'm very passionate about. And, and I, I mean, I, I watch games now and it's not, yeah, you watch for an entertainment, but I'm, I, I, I look at like, you know, why is that coach their face off alignments and, and uh, you know, their power plays and how they do it and, and going, okay, like now, now I'm getting that sort of aspect of it before I'm like, you know, coach told me to stand over there. Okay. I stood over there. I'm like, I didn't ask why I just did it. And cause that's what he told me to do it. Yeah. But now I'm finding out different ways of, of why they asked me to do those things. And that's the cool thing. Is, is it kind of where you tell them, okay, you stand where the parents are. And then you, you're on the side of the ice where the players are. So, is that the whole left and right thing? So, so that's, that that's, a, that's, and, and, and actually the second part of that question is the prestigious brick tournament in Edmonton. I, I can't begin to imagine what went into it with you and the coaches of, of trying to put a successful team on the ice. And, and what I really can't understand is how competitive was the karaoke after the game <laughs> at the, at the, at the place. Oh, did, I, did I jump ahead a few questions? I apologize. First of all, karaoke is key in, in any city you go to or any tournament you go well, to. What's, what's, what's your go-to song? Well, it's already, I mean, I have two, uh, depending on the mood and depending on the crowd. Um, it's either Sweet Caroline, it's either Sweet Caroline or, or Mr. Brightside. <laughs> well, you got to get the crowd jumping or do you just got to slow it down a little bit? Like that's, that's, that's knowing, that's knowing your battle at the first little bit. You'd either pump it up or we just need to, you know, kind of get, get a sing along. Do we need a sing along going on or do we just need to dance? Like, what do we need to do? So, so that, are you, are you the, are you the guy at karaoke that you don't need the, the lyrics on? You just, you, you just, you have your go-tos and you just go. It, yeah, I, 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 I can go to those. So I only do those two songs. Like if you try try to get me outside the box, don't get me outside the box, but those two, I can nail those two. Jay, ne- Jay, next time Steve's in Cleveland, we're taking to a karaoke bar and no sweet Caroline and no Miss Price. That's it. It can't happen. I don't get on stage without those. I know I, I, we have a time limit. I know we do. However, I could talk to you for about three hours on him and singing those two songs and what the crowd does for him to the point where I've, I've gotten a phone call before he's at a, a meeting in Florida and I go, Hey, what's up? And he goes, you, you got a minute? I go, yeah, I'm driving. He goes, good. I was a hit last night. <laughs> There's also been some times where where I've I've had 
conversation with friends and they they're like why are you not talking right now and i'm like well i know i'm going out i'm i'm going out tonight and i need to have some tea uh, right now so the place has asked me not not to speak for a couple hours and, and sip on some lemon tea for a little bit so that's to keep the voice uh nice nice and tight uh, oh god <laughs> all right well hey rimmer we can't thank you enough for joining us here man uh it's been a great hour, hour plus. Um, again, huge fan of uh, what you're doing with with the kids up there in Michigan. And, and again, you know your your career is obviously very, very uh, good. And and you got to share a lot of stories with us. So thank you for all that. Um, we'd love to have you back on here soon. Uh, we might be calling you sooner than later. Yeah. So you're going next. You're going next week, part two, buddy. Guys, no, no problem. I'll, I'm a huge fan of the pod. Uh, you guys are doing a great job. I want to, you know, what you guys are doing in a time of what we need some laughs. We need some, some fun in our lives. And ever since you guys have started doing this, uh, I've listened to your, to numerous episodes. You guys are doing a great job. Everything that you guys have done for Ohio hockey down there, uh, it's been unbelievable. Keep up the great work of what you guys are doing and the, the coaching that you guys are giving those kids and you're making, making a difference in all those guys' lives and, you know, keep up the great work and, and great job with what you guys have got going on with this, with this uh, pod and everything. So, you know, thank you for what you guys are doing too. I, and we've known him for we've known him for so long. I'm actually waiting for the punchline of this yeah, joke. Right, that he's right. talking about. I, <laughs> I, I, that's that's me being heartful, boys. Like, come on, Thank that's you. that's Thank that's you. me it's coming. I, I'm coming from the heart right there. I, I, love, I it. love it. I love it. I love it. You guys do doing it. awesome. So thank you. All right, thanks for joining us, Steve. Appreciate it. No problem. Good luck, guys. For all your hockey needs, from sticks and helmets to everything protective, Warrior Hockey. Find more at warrior.com. Well, what a great opportunity we had today, Jay, to talk to uh, Nick Petraglia of the Ohio or of the Columbus uh, AAA program uh, and also uh, Steve Rimshaw from Warrior Hockey. And, you know, we didn't get a chance to finish with Steve about all of his dealings with Warrior Hockey, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk to him again. But, you know, talking with Nick about the way that uh, hockey, uh, that he his vision of hockey in Columbus uh, should be, and, and it's going to be, Pretty good. Like you said, you know, the, the, the Columbus area teams, they have arrived. They're not arriving. They've already arrived. And then his, his love for Miami university uh, and to keep it going here in the state of Ohio, well, it was very evident of his passion. You know, the thing that, that struck me the most was for what, 20 years down in, in Oxford at Miami and, and that, that strength of, of what they call as the brotherhood down there. And, and that that's their credo and that's what they live by. And Nick is taking the brotherhood message and, and bringing that to Columbus. It was a, a conversation where, you know, almost immediately I, I, I was staring at the screen and watching him speak. And you're just struck with this, just this, this calmness and this, this personality of inclusion. And, and the thing that he kept saying over and over again was, was honesty and transparency and great communication and, the line when he when he said, you know, cutting kids you want, not keeping kids you don't. He's he's doing things the right way. He's gonna grow that to such a level and and quickly too. I, I truly believe quickly. And I know he kept saying that he's the new guy and and he needs to figure this and that out. They're gonna get a load of him, 
and they're going to get a load of his message and the way he's going to do things. I've never met him a day in my life, but they're going to get a load of him and they're going to be like, wow, this is awesome. Because I could tell you in the, in the hour plus that we sat with him, I was saying that yeah, he just a down to earth guy that, that wants to better the game. And Columbus has an absolute gem in him. And, and, you know, based on and doing the research and listening or reading rather what, what former players and, and other teammates have said about him, including Chris Bergeron, who's the head coach at Miami now and, and Rico Blasi and to a man, you know, they're, they're getting a good thing in Columbus and, and we wish the best for Nick and, and what he's got going on there. Absolutely. You know, I think he's going to be an awesome asset to keep our uh, Ohio hockey players, possibly local at some of our universities as well. So uh, what a great talk that was, but Hey, the gang was back for episode 17. I got to be honest with you. I missed episode 16. It felt great to be back for 17. Uh, thanks to our guest, executive vice president of the Ohio blue jackets, triple a organization, Mr. Nick Petraglia and from warrior hockey, Mr. Steve Rimshaw for joining us today. You can find us on air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes archives as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continue to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Diamond Podcast. That's right.